It's a better than typical Saturday morning. You woke up early, felt great, thought to yourself, I'm going to have a productive morning. You start off by walking the dog. It's brisk, but not too cold. The sun is rising over the treetops and your world is bathed in gold and green. Spring is here, and that's wonderful. The birds seem extra chipper this morning. What a thought to have, you think to yourself as you are engrossed in their morning song. You're about halfway through your walk at the furthest point from your home, and you are as completely relaxed as you've ever been, and God only knows how long. Too relaxed. And then it happens. You fart. But this, this is no ordinary fart. This is your morning fart. The first fart that every man, woman, and child experiences at the start of a new day. But typically, when you have this fart, you are in the safe and friendly confines of your home. The kind of fart that's been building all night after an evening at the cantina with a few too many enchiladas and a few too many refried beans. But this fart isn't happening first thing in the morning, no. It's happening halfway through your walk while it's your furthest distance from your house. See, this fart is a harbinger. It's an early warning. This was a scout fart. You realize that it's been a little longer than the usual since your last bowel movement. You realize in your most relaxed state that your body was fooled into thinking where it is and what it's time to do. Your body starts to tense up. More and more farts start to follow. You realize that the gases in your body are beginning to be pushed out. That something inside you is moving forward, moving those farts ever closer to the surface. And your stomach starts to gurgle. And then you start to do the math in your head. You're at least 15 minutes away from your house. You don't have 15 minutes. You have maybe five. You pick up your pace, but you can't run. No, you can't. The tightening of your sphincter is all the evidence you need that a full gallop will result in certain doom. Then you stop. Oh. Uh, oh god. Oh god. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ma Maggie, come on. Come on. We have to go. We have to. No, no, no. You make your peace with God. You begin to bargain. Just don't let me shit myself. I swear I'll go to church. I'll, I'll eat more vegetables. I'll volunteer at a soup kitchen. Just don't let me shit myself. Things relax. The enemy has retreated from the gates. But you know you don't have long. You run back to the house. There's no time to unhook the dog from her leash. There's no time to even take off your shoes. You sprint up the stairs. You dash into the bathroom. And when the barbarians return to the gate, oh, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. You don't even have your shorts and underbreeches around your ankles. Uh, it's, it's happening. It's, it's, I almost shit my pants this week. Oh, nothing good.
Wow. Well, let me tell you, rule number five to life, never trust a fart. (laughs) (laughs) Especially a morning fart. Yeah, that's the valuable life advice you get from our show. That that may or may not have been autobiographical. Listen, it It sounded sounded way too close to home. (laughs) Uh, Well, gents, how are you guys doing in this wonderful Saturday morning here at Nothing Good Studios? Pretty good. I'm back, boys. Yeah, that was... It sounds like it. I'm back. Well, after that shit, I bet you are back. (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of back, Mac is no longer dying. No. Yeah, so that's encouraging. No, it's uh, finally... Finally, uh, might be turning the corner here, boys. We're hoping. Yeah. His color's back. He doesn't sound like he's the specter of death. No, I don't think we're going to have to stop the recording the podcast at any point in time because I'm about to hack up, like, you know, the yeah, state of whatever that was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. We're glad. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. We're all happy that you're back and at a, a full force. Uh, so today uh, is a really fun episode. I'm really looking forward to this. This has been a challenging topic to, to, to approach. But today, ladies and germs, we are going to book the territory, as they say, and we're going to explain our dream feuds um so here are the ground rules this is kind of what we agreed upon and feel free to play along with this with your friends if you want because i think this is kind of a fun exercise the idea is you have the option to pick whether it's tag team uh, or any two talents or even three if you want to get crazy but any two talents throughout all of wrestling history no matter what decade no matter what year no matter what promotion regional national otherwise international doesn't matter Two people. They could be from different points in time. And you have to place them in a specific point in time. It doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to match either of them. It's probably easier if it does, but it doesn't have to. And then you proceed to write, book their storyline, their feud, how it works. What's the catalyst? What happens sort of in the middle? What's the blow-off? Who goes over? Who wins? Who loses? And um, so we each had to pick two. And so I'm going to, I didn't mention this to you guys, so I'm going to kind of put this out here now. Um, I, how I'm going to approach this, unless you guys do whatever you want, is I'm going to go with my, the first one is sort of like, it was my first idea, like my first one that I'm like, when I, when we were going to do this, I'm like, this is what we're going to do. But the second one is what I think is the money one. The one that will sell the most tickets, theoretically. Ooh, okay. So feel free to do whichever order you guys want to do it. Yeah, I, I approached it the same way. So I wrote. Two, obviously, uh, but I'm going to do the second one first and the first one second, if that makes sense. Wait, say that one more time? I'm going to do it out of order. Okay, that's what yes. I thought you said. Okay. In reverse order. <laughs> first one, like second, a countdown. second one first. All right. Yes, yes. <laughs> like a countdown. You know, um, I'm really interested in this episode. Yes. Um, for, for several reasons. Um, number one, um, none of us know what the others actually wrote about correct i cheated slightly i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie here i started writing one out and i had to reach out to jones because i had a feeling that's what he was doing and i didn't want to repeat that was actually was it i, I thought uh it, it was yeah i think for for, for you know I, again i didn't go too deep into the booking on it i just started kind of like hashing it out outlining and everything but also I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I have a, a, I would say I have an above average wrestling acumen in terms of my experience with wrestling over all the years and all that other stuff. I'm not going to pretend that I know as much as Herb Jones does mm-hmm. about wrestling or, you know, uh, the great Noah Brown does about wrestling. So I almost felt like if I was doing the same one that you did, 
that it might almost be a disservice. I don't know about that. It, it, I know it wouldn't be, but like in the back of my mind, it's like you're just going to know way more about this than than I will I, over the history of it. I, can I? I just feel really confident, and I'm going to put this out here at the beginning of the top of the show that I believe that you are going to do. And this isn't a competition, folks, by the way. Right. But I feel like you're going to do a far better job at writing the, the angles out than I. Do. I just. I just have your very creative, descriptive mind, and I feel very confident what you wrote for your storylines are going to be excellent. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, Evidenced so, by that intro. Um, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You took more notes for the intro than you typically <laughs> do on any other show. Folks, that's like a page and a half. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, to give you guys a little bit of a background, too, it's all typed. It's all typed and printed. Um, I, 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 I got into writing. Uh, over the last couple of days for for our recording session, uh, in a way that I haven't got into in a while, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it was it was fun. Um, but um, yeah, we didn't really we don't know what the others have chosen, so we we still might have picked, you know, two. We might have picked a feud. Um, I also am a little hesitant because um, I'm not sure. You know, like when you have an assignment at school that's like completely open when you're yep. like in high school. I hate those. And you're like, you could do whatever you want. You know, this is this was kind of that assignment. Yes. And then everybody kind of did their assignment one way, and then you kind of showed up dressed as a pinata, <laughs> and and it's all about like the 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 Spanish independence and Cinco de Mayo, and you clearly didn't understand the assignment. Right. Um, I have a feeling that my wrestling feud of tables versus ladders versus chairs <laughs> in a um, cage in a cage uh, with lumberjacks outside over sixty minutes um, with a briefcase hanging over the hanging over the uh, the, the ring um, might not have been what you guys were going for. Um, dream booking, yes. Yeah, I feel like uh, in current times. We should have just used ChatGPT to randomly generate. That would have been an experience. <laughs> there might be an entire episode of this podcast that is just completely scripted by ChatGPT. I yeah. would do it. Yeah. I would like, What the fuck it. does this say? I guess we got to read it. So, oh, my God. This is Dusty Rhodes did what? So before, oh, my God. <laughs> before we really get into it, I, just, I, I want to explain my experience with this whole thing. I kind of touched on it before we started recording, uh, but um, initially... I had like a really hard time getting into this. I'm like, because it was my idea. I'm like, oh, we should do this. And I was pumped about it. You were pumped about it. And I sat down days and days ago to really start working on it. And I'm like, fuck. It's, it's hard to get in the mindset yes. of it. And I and it, it took me, like I started working on the first one. And I'm like, okay, I know I could see it in my head. I know exactly how I want to do it. But I don't really know where to start. And so I started like kind of breaking it down. And what I started doing, I started... Uh, listening to music which really helped i started listening to songs that you would see video packages from okay and that allowed me to start seeing the moments that's hearing the, the promos i swear to god it was one process. of the most interesting things i've yeah. ever done it's like a gateway yeah because i went back in the day when i used to write that's how i would write a lot of times if i needed a scene i would listen to a bunch of different songs that would help develop the scene in my head and i had done that in a long time but Listening to like random early two thousands alternative rock and roll or some hip hop, and I started seeing this wrestler and that wrestler facing off. This wrestler, was that wrestler, getting thrown over the top rope, and I'm like, "This is it!" And it, it started once the floodgates opened. Once I started really getting into the mindset of booking, I, I that's all I kept thinking about. I'm in the shower thinking about, okay, then how does he cut that promo? What does he say to him at that point? Like I, I'm at work thinking about how is this going to happen? Who's going to go over? Who's going to go over? 
And why? What's the finish? Mm -hmm. And then I realized, this is a hard job. Booking, in hindsight, for imaginary scenarios is, is still tricky. Imagine doing this for an entire roster. Yeah, of yeah that's your living. Yo, yeah. that yeah. would suck. Yeah, I, I, and you got two shows a week. Yeah. Well, I, I um, think maybe 12 years ago it might have been at this point. Uh, I distinctly remember I actually I was doing a I was doing a play. Uh, I was uh, one flew the cuckoo's nest, and after the shows, there's a gazebo out in the back of the theater, and then you know the cast and the crew would hang out, and we'd you know have a few beverages and uh, just kind of just unwind after the show. And then you know people that were there that came to see the show, you know friends and stuff would hang out a little bit, and um. I did one time, there was a guy who was there, who was a friend of, of, of a friend at that point, um, who actually worked for WWE as a writer for SmackDown. Yeah. And I remember being just that conversation uh, of, of talking about, you know, just how they go about, how the writing process works, how they're assigned to, to work on certain angles and, and certain wrestlers and, you know, the challenges that you have because you might have a great idea for something. But it is not the right time right. for that idea, you know. You know, maybe you want to bring the horsemen back or the horsewomen, but it's just not the right time for it, you know, in terms of the overall scope of the of the landscape of wrestling. Right. So, um, it was just really kind of fascinating, uh, and also just hearing about how much of a pain in the ass it was to work for the WWE. You know, he's like everything that you hear is absolutely one hundred percent correct. <laughs> he's like, I'm happy that I did it. Um, I don't know that I would ever go back. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that's a, that's high a tedious and stressful job. Constant. Things always changing. Nothing's ever good enough. You're getting paid well. Yeah, yeah. but you get judged for everything. Not only from the bosses and the talent, but also from the fans. Like, that's a whole other dynamic that you have to take into consideration. Well, plus you, you think about, like, the, the, the type of individual that manages WWE, right? You're You're talking about... I mean, Vince McMahon, who is, I mean, see him. Would you consider him a megalomaniac? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I assume the character of Vince McMahon that we see on TV is what Vince McMahon is in the boardroom. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> might, there, there, might, is, there is no separation. There's no separation of work and home. It's like, that's just happening. But, but in, in Vince's defense, though, when he made you kiss his ass, he paid you $2 million not to talk about it. I mean, it. listen, a lot of rich people kissed his ass. Yeah. Um, I have a surprise, though, on top of everything that we're doing here. So, um, two days ago, how was it two days? Was it one Thursday? Uh, I think it was Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. Uh, I reached out to our co-host here, who's never here anymore, Noah Brown, and I said, hey, man, this is the thing that we're going to do. Uh, I know you're busy right now, but I feel really confident that the world would like to know what you think about this subject. I know it's short notice. Can you generate something for me? He goes, Doc done listen if you fucking tell me that noah's gonna walk <laughs> down the stairs right now <laughs> that would be the greatest yeah and, and you guys were just time. like yeah. not telling me about it i will fucking mark <laughs> he's just been locked up in the basement <laughs> just waiting to let him out it, it's it's a matt foley thing it's like he's been downstairs in the basement for three hours <laughs> drinking nothing but express uh, expressos fuck you um, <laughs> mm, no uh he is not here although he and i talked about it 
and he was explaining to me that now that a lot of his spring work uh, requirements are kind of in the rearview mirror, that he's been talking. He's out of holy season. Uh, yes. About maybe finally coming back. He's talking to the wife about it. So he's oh, he's, he's still in, folks. He's still in. We just oh, gotta man. get him here. But yeah, he's just on paternity leave. He uh, yeah. He sent me uh, his storyline. Oh, that I shall read. Oh, uh, so it's he, Noah's here in spirit. Wait, nice. so are you going to read it as Herb Jones as Noah Brown? I'm going to try to read it in in a, in a way you that just respects yeah. the, the memory of Noah. <laughs> the memory of Noah. Give <laughs> God rest his soul. <laughs> he, um, he's just gone, ten, but not forgotten. He's ten minutes down so, the road. More importantly, we shall begin. Uh, well, real quick before yes. you do that, I think it's what are interesting. We drinking? Oh, I was going to, uh, yeah, well, we'll do that first. I knew you're, you weren't going to go there, but I wanted to I know. wasn't, but yeah. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, dear sweet, sweet Australian, Indian, French listeners, looking at you there, uh, Bangladesh, where are you at? Huh? What's going on, Bangladesh? We miss you. We got room for you at the table. Come on over. I won't, I won't, I won't say anything about that one, that one night in, uh, in July. We don't have to talk about that. It's fine. Um, I'm drinking again. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off the antibiotics. We're, we're glad. Right. We're glad you're back. This is actually like the first beer I've had. In, I think almost a month. Uh, you're gonna be drunk in 20 minutes. <laughs> that's why. That's also why I'm, we're recording this early in the morning. Everybody, there's a reason I showed up at breakfast. <laughs> um, and not just for me. I did bring it for everybody. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I am drinking uh, a new Belgium Voodoo Ranger uh, Juice Force IPA. You know, uh, some people may say it's uh, it's it's never too early in the morning for an IPA. I sometimes say it's uh, always too early for an IPA, <laughs> uh, but this is fucking tasty. So I'm 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 savoring it. <laughs> once look to quote a very famous line in a movie: "Once it hits your lips, so good, <laughs> so good." Uh, I'm having a Trogues Sunshine Pilsner. It is incredibly average, but it's nice. it's a beer. Nice, yes. Uh, because we're recording at 10 a.m., uh, I have an iced latte from a local coffee shop, but I brought it home and poured half a glass of Kahlua into it. There Atta we go, boy. my so, man. <laughs> which one did you go to? Uh, coffee, etc. Okay. Let's, uh, let's uh, you know, we we uh, have not, uh, I don't know that we've really gone into the mono- the, the, monetiz- the monetization of the podcast. Uh, I was going to say the monotonization of the podcast. We've oh, clearly, for that. We're clearly into that one. <laughs> Fuck that. <clears throat> But um, let's go ahead and give coffee, etc. And uh, Graham's Bakery their flowers this morning. Thank you very much yeah. for. Um, I mean, you didn't give it to us; we paid for it. But you right. know, thank you for supplying us with uh, with uh, breakfast uh, yeah. and uh, morning yeah, libations. Delicious foods. That's right. Yeah. Support your local businesses, friends. That's right. Yeah, yeah if you, fucks. Anybody, uh, anybody in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, go stop by Graham's Bakery before two o'clock in the afternoon. You're gonna get some good shit. You tell them that the good sent you. Yeah. That's right. They won't know what the fuck you're talking about. But they'll have, tell they'll them have no idea. Tell them anyway. No. They're like, hey, nothing good sent me. Like, get the fuck out then. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want your kind around here. That'd be, that'd be so funny that like for a month people showed up and said nothing good sent me, thinking they're gonna get That's like a, a free, sentence. thinking they're gonna get a free donut or a free cookie or <laughs> like something. Like they get an extra punch card. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then like one day like I walk in wearing a nothing good T-shirt and she get, and then, like one of the ladies just behind the counter goes you 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 did this to us. <laughs> Uh, so who's gonna go first? Well, real quick, I wanted to point oh, out yeah, here you want to point out? that I think it's interesting because I did something very similar when I was writing this. It wasn't to necessitate the inspiration for the storyline, but it was just to kind of help keep me excited about what I was writing about. But I was listening to music too. But I was listening to wrestlers like theme songs mm. and stuff. 
Um, but I think it's interesting because it's almost like WWE over the years has conditioned you with the uh, video packages. Because you're like, I, I was able to like really get things going when I was listening to songs that would remind me of like the video packages that they would do before like a big match. So, oh, yeah. Um, wrestling is, is now just like, it's ingrained in you, Jones. Not like it wasn't before, but like even now subconsciously. Yep. It's there. Yep. That's a hell of a thing. It is a hell of a That's thing. That's a hell of a thing. You ain't lying, brother. You ain't lying. So let me ask you guys this. <clears throat> Was, because we each did two. Yep. A couple questions about the process, because I'm really curious about the process. I had a great time with the process of this. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, where did you find it difficult to narrow down your feuds? Like, did you find it difficult to figure out what, which, you know, pair of wrestlers, trio, tag teams that you're going to go with? Did you find it difficult to, you know, because I had a list that I, when I came down to it, about probably six or seven. And then I had to kind of narrow it down to the two that I wanted to go with. And, and for mine, I picked my first one and I'm going with probably what was my fifth one. Uh, just because I thought it was easier to the angle and everything I wanted to do to, to book. Here's the other thing too. Um, Jeff, you and I have never really talked so much about our, our love and history of wrestling and mm-hmm. just how much we've watched it over the years. You guys know me. I've always been kind of a, an intermittent wrestler. You know, yeah. I go through stretches where I'm really heavy into it and then I'm kind of light, then heavy, then light. So, um, there were things that I came up with that I didn't realize had been done. It's, that's tough. Yeah. You gotta watch. <laughs> yeah. There's gaps. Yeah. And there's gaps in your watching history yeah. where you're like, I don't really know if that happened or not. Right. But. Like one of the ones that I came up with that I'm not doing was Chris Jericho against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which technically did, did happen. Yep. Yeah, there was a small crossover <clears throat> there. There was the small crossover there that, that year that Jericho was feuding with all the all the Hall of Famers. Yeah. And then um, Ricky did a great couple of matches for Mania and, and the night after and everything. Um so, like, I, I came up with some, and I'm like, you know what? Those were already kind of done. It wouldn't have been done the same way that I was going to do it, but I didn't want to maybe repeat it for this first episode yeah, kind of a deal. The beauty of that, <clears throat> not to interrupt, but I yeah. just kind of, and, and, and this kind of goes along kind of with Noah and I were chatting about uh, when he was telling me about what he was, what he, why he chose, and his, his little bit of difficulty he had with yeah. the, the processes. You could have completely done that feud, and it would have been totally fresh. Because you could have said, well, I want 1,004 holds move Chris Jericho from WCW. Right. And Ricky the Dragon from 85 and Mid-South. Yeah. And it would have been a completely different experience. And you right. could have booked it and said, I want it in the Attitude Era. Yeah. I want it in 2020 WWE. And it could have been, a, the, that's the beauty of that, that experience. Noah, on the other hand, he and I were chatting about it and... You know, when I explained his feud, you were like, oh, okay, well, that's what it is, good idea. He didn't really stray too far into the, the time hopping. and He had a, I wouldn't say a hard time with it, but he, it was a little jarring for him to do it. Uh, and, and because it just, it felt like, well, who's going to time hop? Where do you play some? And I told and for me, it was freeing yeah. to be able to go, okay, I want this guy from here, that guy from here, and let's put him here. Yeah. And watch the world burn, you know? <laughs> because it's... You imagine having that ability to just get one one feud and just pick and choose and see what happens in 1985 WWF? <laughs> like what happens? I don't well, know. Yeah, it, it's almost like you're playing like uh, WWE, 
you know, 2K23. And, you know, they get a fresh a fresh set of wrestlers and some legends and stuff in there that haven't been in the game for a few years. And you get them at their best, you know? You don't have an opportunity to have, like, Andre the Giant face off against Big Show if you really wanted to. Um, kind of a deal. Uh, even if you ever had a potential for a crossover, you would have had a very, you know, um, you know, much older Andre versus a very green big show and and really what would you have gotten from that you know so i think the time hopping element was was i i think one of my favorite things about this yeah I, i'd agree with that you know my process was i didn't necessarily want to pick any guys that were in the wwe wcw whatever at the same time so i approached it with you know the two feuds that i picked are feuds that realistically never could have happened um because i i thought it was more freeing that way to be like well wouldn't it be great if and the the lines never actually crossed but what if they did um and then you know once i picked the guys then i started watching promos from various years and it helps to get the juices flowing to get in the mindset of okay well where was this guy in this point of time versus this point of time and what's the right point of time where the where they align the right way to tell the story that we wanted to tell for the for the feud. So that's the way that I approached it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, now, second question I have. So we each picked two. Yes. Yep. Um, we're gonna say as, as you kind of mentioned at the beginning. Let's do the maybe the the, the save the better one that we feel that we like. The one the, you think is the money one. Yeah. Did you write your money one first, or did you write your money one second? Second. Second. Mine was first. Yeah. Yeah. To me, my money one was, uh, came real easy. And I, I, and I think I got a great angle for it. And um, I want to point out here, guys, too, that this isn't just um, <clears throat> fictioning wrestling, you know, feuds and booking. Um, I, in one of them, kind of reinvented the entire premise of wrestling. So, is it on a football field? <laughs> um, I'm not sure what yes. that means, but I guess we'll get to it. Well, <clears throat> you'll 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 kind of you'll kind of see. I don't want to I don't want to spoil it too quickly here, but you'll kind of get an idea. Okay. So, if we're deciding who's going to go first, maybe we start with Noah first. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Some bitch can't defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> he wrote quite a bit. He only has one angle, and I read the whole thing. He sent it to me last night. At like twelve thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. I'm like this dude. I knew he would, uh, and it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty good. Uh, so, do I read everything he sent, or do I just read the angle? Oh, just God. the angle, probably. I see how much you're scrolling on what he wrote. So. <laughs> it's, it's it's a small screen. <laughs> Summarize. So. That's the other reason why I printed this. You know, usually when I when I'm doing the podcast, you know, Jones and Jeff have their notebooks and everything. I typically take notes on my phone. Um, I had to type this out. Like I, I, I needed a larger window to view this than just my uh, than just my notes on my cell phone. I needed to I needed to do this big. Okay. I will I will I will read everything he wrote because I feel okay. like there's context that he adds Got that's it. important. Read it in the in the in the tone of um, Cobra, Cabretti. Oh God, no! I I really couldn't even attempt to. <laughs> yeah, do we have Rocky and Thunderlips? Did anybody put that one out here? We're gonna flesh no, that no, one out. No. Okay, so uh, this is for our lapsed co-host Noah, Mr. Brown. <clears throat> 
I fought the urge to do a time mesh for, for dream matches. I couldn't wrap my head around the idea of putting someone out of time and have it make sense for me. Most wrestlers are products of their time, and I don't have the time to rewrite the very development that makes one of the members of a dream match who they are. If I did, I would absolutely do Jake Roberts versus Randy Orton, Snake versus Viper, but I chose to go a different route, booking a program between two guys that were active simultaneously but never wrestled, due, due to the most tragic circumstance possible. And so here follows my feud storyline. Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 22. Mm. And a bunch of cool shit along the way. There's only one major modification to history needed here. On November 13, 2005, Eddie Guerrero does not suffer his fatal heart attack. Instead, we continue in what was his presumed next program and take it to its most satisfying conclusion. I'll be interjecting the actual events of this time frame to give you context. Some events will change, some will not. Eddie's last major match happened at October 2005 pay-per-view No Mercy, where he lost to Batista in the main event, with Batista retaining his World Heavyweight Championship. This was also Eddie's first major turn back towards Babyface. Two weeks later on SmackDown, Batista's named Team Captain and Rey Mysterio, JBL, Bobby Lashley all win matches to be added to the match. Which I would assume was for uh, Survivor Series, yes. I got instantly angry when I heard the JBL. three letters JBL. Like, instantly. Like, I felt it, and I looked at Jeff, and I'm like, that motherfucker. So, I felt the disturbance in the force. Um, so, anyhow. <laughs> Finally, Eddie qualified for, for, the, for Team SmackDown by defeating Mr. Kennedy in what ended up being his last match. Kennedy. For, there you go. For my purposes, our story begins the next week. Team SmackDown has a promo in the ring with JBL outright challenging the fact that he should be Team Captain instead of Batista. Eddie gets in the middle and says he could also be captain and should also be captain. Ray tries to bring cohesion but fails. Lashley just stands there because he wasn't allowed to talk until 2018. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm reading everything. Um, eventually, this squabble is interrupted as Team Raw, Shawn Michaels, Kane, Chris Masters, Carlito, and Big Show ambush them. Smackdown is left lane. Can they coexist? Blah, 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 blah. Standard shit. Survivor Series 2005. Let's pick it up here. Eddie and Sean start the match with some very entertaining chain rest wrestling, but in classic asshole fashion, JBL tags himself in. And in also classic JBL fashion, eats a sweet chin music almost immediately and is eliminated early from the match. Yes! <laughs> What's important for us is that Eddie and Sean do not fight the rest of the match. Getting close, but there's always too much chaos for us to get that good shit. Eddie activates his lie, cheat, steal powers to get Big Show DQ'd, but Show gets furious and goes apeshit, slamming everyone on both teams except Masters. He was selling some shit, who fucking cares? Before leaving. <clears throat> this... I like that Noah went down the roster on this one. Listen! <laughs> like, we've gotten... First off, first off, he actually... This is how you know this is a dream fucking matchup in the first place. He actually put Mr. Kennedy in a match where he didn't hurt somebody. Oh, man. So that... Right. That's true. He's not listening to this. Or hurt but, himself. You know, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Kennedy, Anderson... Anderson, Kennedy, whatever the fuck you want to go by. You know what you did. Fuck you. So, this leaves Eddie easy pickings for the master lock, and Eddie is gone. Sean eventually wins as the sole survivor for his team, last eliminating Ray. The next SmackDown, JBL bitches that Eddie's the real reason he was eliminated so early in Survivor Series. This results in an argument, brawl, and a Teddy Long bullshit tag match. Eventually, the two are scheduled to face off at the Armageddon pay-per-view in December. Armageddon 2005. 
Eddie Guerrero defeats JBL, finally getting revenge for his world title defeat in June 2004. JBL bitches, but who gives a shit because he's going to eat worms with the boogeyman in a month. Real life interjection. Noah's flexing right now. Oh, let's just let's just be on it. Let's just call it what it is. Noah, you know what you did. <laughs> what you're doing. What you're doing right now. He no and this is the best part too. Noah didn't have to like pull up like a Wikipedia article that went over he the WWE roster from two thousand five. Like he probably secretly like came up with this like all on his own one night while like just <laughs> crushing peyote in his room. Uh in between sets of making the um what was that fucking animated thing he did? With like Windows Paint. Sands of Hollywood. Sands, Sands Hollywood, of Hollywood, yes. yeah. This is like what he was doing in between sessions of the Sands of Hollywood, right? <laughs> Fucking boogie. Noah, boogeyman, come on. Fuck you. So, real life interjection. In late December 2005, early 2006, world champion Batista suffers a legit injury and vacates the belt. This is kayfabe blamed on Mark Henry, who was being pushed as a monster. The title was put up in a battle royal with Kurt Angle coming over from Raw and last eliminating, eliminating Henry to win it. I'm going to change that right now. January 13th, 2006, Eddie Guerrero wins the Battle Royal on SmackDown and becomes the new World Heavyweight Champion. Last eliminating Mark Henry, boom, fixed it. January 20th, Eddie's championship celebration is short-lived as it is crashed by Mark Henry's manager, Davari, parentheses. He legit was his manager during the, this run, but no one remembers because who the fuck cares, in parentheses. Uh, Davari gives out, that, gives out that it should have been Henry that one and challenges eddie to a match to defend his honor i like that noah is like approaching this that somebody listening to this is actually going to fact check him <laughs> i might eddie accepts but it's a trap the match goes two minutes before henry interrupts and annihilates eddie the show goes off the air with henry standing over a beaten eddie it is announced within the next few days in ww.com parentheses remember that shit that eddie will defend against henry at the royal rumble royal rumble 2006 part one since Eddie is alive, there is no reason for Ray to win the Rumble. But because I'm a nice man, he can still enter at number two and break the time record. But he is ultimately eliminated by the winner of the match, Shawn Michaels. Part two. You guys were there for that. Hell yeah. Were you in this fictional world? Were you still there for that? Your final match of the night is Eddie versus Mark Henry. It's a better match than you think because Eddie knows how to get the shit kicked out of him. But sure enough, Eddie pulls out some cheeky shenanigans and one frog splash later is still your world heavyweight champion. But his celebration is yet again cut short. When the lights go out, the gong goes off and out comes the Undertaker on a chariot holding a vulture. The Undertaker then explodes the ring with Eddie standing in the middle of it. This may sound specific and ridiculous, but it's actually what happened on the show because we were there, you motherfuckers, so we can suck a fat Asian dick. <laughs> Why is it an Asian dick? That's what he said. Um, anyhow, anyway, of course, on the way to the actual dream match... So wait, 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 wait. Let's go back to this Asian dick real quick. Okay. <clears throat> no, wait, is it a sumo dick? Just like, fat. I mean, I would assume... Sumo wrestlers are big guys. I would assume fat dicks probably come with that. I wouldn't know for sure. I'm just going to assume. Are there any notes in there specifying what type of Asian? No. Because it could no. be it could be Mongolian, it could be Indian, it could be like Pacific Islander dick. We'll let your imagination run wild there, Dave. Yeah, you're thinking too much about the dick. Anyway, <laughs> of course, on the way to the actual dream match, we get yet another dream match because fuck yeah, that's why. No way out. 2006. A drag out classic sees Eddie Guerrero retain the world title against the Undertaker. Eddie can can even do what Kurt did in the real match and roll Undertaker up. Shit, who cares? 
After the match, there is a pattern emerging. Eddie and Taker share respect, and Eddie jumps to the crowd to celebrate. But as he comes back over the guardrail, BAM! Sweet chin music. Shawn Michaels, with one swift kick, declares his WrestleMania intentions, holds the title, and looks at the sign as the show goes off the air. <clears throat> Lady Davenport wanted the Minotaur to mount her, but didn't know how to ask. They never covered such things when she was a young girl at the West Hibbins boarding school. But since that fateful day when she picked up the scroll of Gorgon, it was teleported to the distant lands of the Fire Kingdom. She has only ever thought about one thing, letting the mythological beast ravage her like a jar of marshmallow fluff in the belly button as a, of a passed out homeless man. Penetration for days. Now that we're paying attention again... <laughs> Let's get to the good shit. <clears throat> the build-up for this match is simple, but good. To HBK, Eddie is not on his level. He's Mr. WrestleMania, possibly the best to ever do it. To achieve his first title win, he went over an hour with the greatest wrestler of all time. He withstood Diesel, Vader, Undertaker, and more on his way to making Stone Cold a household name. He fought and scraped for everything he's had. But to him, Eddie just cheated for it. He got lucky when Goldberg speared Lesnar in 2004. He got lucky when Batista got hurt in January. But at WrestleMania, Eddie... Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> but at WrestleMania, Eddie, your luck runs out. Because you'll be in the ring with the showstopper. The main event. The icon. The heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. <clears throat> Eddie counters that he respects Shawn as much as he's ever respected anyone else in the business. You started from the bottom and fought and clawed your way to the top, S.A. But you know what, Sean? So did I. But unlike you, I didn't have Vince McMahon watching my back homes. Nah, I didn't have this company put me on a pedestal and say, Okay, here's your turn. I wasn't handed my big moment like you, Sean. I had to take it. I had to steal it. You are right, Vato. I'm a cheater. I lied. I cheated and stole my way to the top of this business because no one ever thought I could. But the big difference between me and you, Sean, the real big difference at WrestleMania, I'm going to fight you with everything I've got. I love this. It's good. This is good shit, actually. But, it's, but if it's not enough, and you kick me in the face again, you take my title, you know what? I can live with that, Holmes. Because the next day, I'm going to lie and cheat and steal my way back to the promised land because that's all I know how to do. But you, Sean, when I beat you, S.A., is your heart going to be in it anymore? Are you going to show up the next night for another fight? Or are you going to go home and cry about it? You see, Sean, at WrestleMania, I don't need to steal this title. I've already got it. But what am I going to do is steal your smile. And this time, you'll never get it back. Boom. WrestleMania 22, Eddie versus Sean, world title. The only thing I say to you, gents, is who wins? You sure you want to start with Noah first? <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say that. That was your idea. <laughs> it, was, it was Jeff's idea. It was somebody's idea. Somebody play it back. <laughs> I'm just going to cut it all out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um... I'm done, guys. So um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, tune in next week on uh, 
Nothing good. First of all, let me just say, well fucking played, Noah. Yeah, uh, no, that was good. I, I read it last night, and I'm like, and I was told, I was like, yeah, this, is, this is really good shit, actually. But to read it out loud. But so you know that she was going to be ravaged by the Minotaur? You were already uh, aware of that? Oh, yeah. I felt like you were reading that for the first time. No, it just it was, snuck up I on never you. read it out loud. It's hilarious <laughs> out saying it out loud. Like, when I forgot it, it was there, then I got to, I'm like, ah, shit, I got to say this out loud. You do. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep, you were committed. That's a win for Noah. Yeah. You got one in. You got one in. But if I had to give like a, a, a star, this is like a solid. This would be a five out of five storyline. I have a feeling because there's there's little details that you could have gone into, like little nuances, other little promos. But he got. I mean, there was so much build up just to get to like a paragraph of the actual feud itself. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's good shit because it was compelling. It was interesting. A lot of times, that's how that's how mania works out. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you we. I think a lot of us like the long the long play when uh, wwe does that you know something that is two three years in the making a year in the making eight months where they're they're really playing with the idea throughout the course leading up to wrestlemania rather than oh somebody needs a match at wrestlemania we're two months away what's it going to be right so um who wins so i'd say who exactly who i think and i because obviously i've had more time to kind of gestate over this but only because it, people would be pissed about it. Uh, Michaels goes over by cheating. I think so too. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I'd rather Eddie go over, but I feel like if if Sean goes over by like cheating the cheater, I would get a kick out of that. I would like that actually. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of unknown because you know what could have been with Eddie Guerrero, but you know I think. The legacy of Shawn Michaels is that he comes up big in big moments, mm-hmm. and I don't think this would be any different. I'll go with that. Yeah, um, I think you can still get more out of Guerrero's character if he loses than you do if Shawn does. Because Shawn loses his match, where does Shawn go? You know, like you said, he, he as, as you know, fictional Eddie said, you're just going to go home. Essay. Dude, that's such a good... I like the, I'm going to steal your smile. Listen, shout out to all the kids who grew up watching wrestling and how Shawn Michaels lost his fucking smile that, like three different fucking times. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, this son of a bitch has been watching wrestling a long time. <laughs> a long time. I respect time. that. Yeah. That he was knows a it. very well-played fucking promo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you... It's, you know, similar to what we had this year at WrestleMania. You know, if if Cody wins, where does Roman go? If Roman wins, Cody still has places to go, you know, and I, I kind of look at it in a similar way in this fashion is that, um, you know, if Michaels, Michaels loses, what do you do with that character? What do you do with that? I mean, he would probably need to have some time away because after you have that whole build up to WrestleMania and then you lose, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, Wrestle he, Chris Masters? Yeah, he's still running with the top guys. Yeah. yeah. You can't really knock him down to mid card. No, you can't. Would you guys do anything differently? I mean, I rattled off a lot of stuff, but would you done any? Would you gone with maybe a different angle with the angle? Would you have, you know, who would you envision? Because obviously they're both baby faces, so which is always a weird position—a baby face, baby face title main event match. But uh, would you have made one a heel? Um, when was the last time Shawn Michaels? wrestled and and maybe i don't know if you guys would know this or not but what was the last time Shawn michaels wrestled at wrestlemania where the title was at stake wrestlemania 
20. Okay. But I'm not sure if he... Because his match against Angle wasn't for the title at WrestleMania. I don't think it was for the... When he fought Cena, was it for the title? It might have been. I don't, it very well I don't recall. Been. Yeah, I don't know. reason why I say it is because, you know, wrestlers get to a certain point in their career where they they transcend the title. Yeah, oh yeah. And, you know, to, to me that is always the the pinnacle of, of a wrestler's career. You know, wrestlers need to get the title to to solidify their place in wrestling to be the guy to have that in their career. But to me the the final level is, you know, you just being there at at, at a pay per view doesn't need gold. It just you just needs you, you know. You think of like Undertaker, you think of Michaels, uh, you think of, you know, some of the guys later in the career, like Rock and um that just eat Cena. You know, they they didn't need title matches. You know that that wasn't necessary for their building block. So, I think for me, <clears throat> not having the title at stake would be something that I would kind of change because, um, you know, I think you can, I think you can. I I don't because I don't I don't know that Sean's driven by gold at this point. Well, now uh, to to your to your point, I remember we're talking. What was that, 2006? So, we're right on the hairy edge. Michaels is still kind of... Because figure, there's only, two, like, what, two years you know, post-WrestleMania 20 who was buying for the heavyweight title. So he was in the mix. That's when he came back, though. Well, he came back in... That was 2004. He came back in, what, 2002? Yeah. And he was heavyweight champion once after that. I think because he only won the title like three times since he'd been back. Maybe. I'm not even sure if it was three times. I know at least twice. Yeah. I'm just saying like, because I don't, the one thing to know, he, he picked them in their, their point in time in 2005, 2006. So like, I would have changed. I would have changed like the time hop. I, one of them would not have been from 2006. Yeah. Uh, if I had to, if I had to change anything, it would have been, it would have been like, Big time heel Eddie from WCW, and maybe this Shawn Michaels. I think that would have been interesting. Very, you know, a younger, less injured Eddie Guerrero, who's who's full of piss and vinegar, and will just you know stalk and and challenge and get in the face of Shawn Michaels, who's the grizzled veteran now. Yeah, I think would have been a really interesting uh, dichotomy. In in this timeline, how much does Eddie Guerrero look like Dominic Mysterio? Possibly far too much. Okay. Okay. Jeff, would you change anything? No, I mean, he went way deeper than I thought any of us expected to. I mean, he was calling out fucking Mark Henry's manager. I don't even remember that dude. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Sean Damari? Damari was awesome. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, obviously if you have two baby faces, there's a little more energy and pizzazz to it if one of them is heel. So I think if, if you pulled the heel persona from either one of those guys out of a different era and dropped it in there. I, th- I think you still get the same storyline thread throughout. There's just a little more oomph to it. You know yeah. what I mean? All right. Well played, Mr. Brown. Excellent story. I really enjoy it. I think we, I speak on behalf of both these gentlemen that it was, we both, we all enjoyed it very much. Yeah. That, uh, that, that, that makes money. 
Mm-hmm. I think it would absolutely yeah. make money. Yeah. Um, Marshmallow fluff and all. Mm-hmm. That was, yep, that was a thing. Uh, so who's up next? Um, I'll go. All right. Let's do it. All right. So um, my first feud, which was actually my second feud, um, is I think one that we've been teased it's one that I think a lot of us have been expecting to happen. Um, and it hasn't quite happened. And I'm starting to wonder if it's ever going to happen. Um, and that is... Uh, and this is kind of low-hanging fruit, but I, I, I want to see this. I really do. And like I said, I'm starting to get to the point that I don't know that's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be uh, Roman Reigns... Oh, boy. ...versus The Rock. All right. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> in Philadelphia at WrestleMania, actually. Oh. oh, um, I, you know what? Book it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> they, I think, based on how my my idea is going, it would have been better served this year than, um, than, than next year just because of location. Because my version of rock I have here is Hollywood rock, you know, uh, like 2003 rock, like 2003. Rock. Ah, the, yeah, 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 good shit. All right, um. And and that's kind of that's kind of the 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 angle I'm going. I'm just going with our current version of Roman Reigns, right? Like the 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 tribal chief, the right tribal now. chief, so right two now, heels. head of the table, head of the table. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. I'm I'm I kind of built this off of just like happening right now, as as because it hasn't happened. So, 2003 Rock. 2023 Roman Reigns yeah. happening right now. Yeah. In this current climate of wrestling. Like okay, literally cool. happening right now. Cool. All right. All right. So <clears throat> so we're after WrestleMania and for the first time in what two years um, the bloodline has shown some weakness. There have been some cracks because Jibby and Jay no longer have the title. You have um, you can still play the the the, the Sami Zayn thing happened the honorary oos you know the fractures that have appeared that they kind of played with right um, now Roman Reigns <clears throat> is continuing his excellence in the ring having recently defeated Cody Rhodes but there is something that's now starting to bother him as the tribal chief is that you know um, where where does his family go at this point why did his family fail. You know, why did the Usos lose? You know, what all kind of happened with that? Um, and he's disappointed in this, you know, because this version of Roman, the, 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 the belts mean as much to, the, to him as, as does the bloodline. So um, Roman, because he's still just kind of mowing down, you know, WWE superstars at this point, um, is focusing his attention towards his family. And, you know, he's questioning Jimmy and Jay's dedication. So against the advisement of Paul Heyman, Roman feels that the only way that Jimmy and Jay can atone for their failure is by having them engage in a series of almost impossible matches, like a baptism by fire kind of a thing. Um, Now, he's going to separate them. They're not good enough to be a tag team right now. They got to prove to him as individuals that they can be a tag team so what he does is that he sets them up on the series of matches now if the, if somebody loses their match <clears throat> um 
the next match that Roman's going to set for them is going to be worse than the one before. If they win their singles match, the next match they're going to have is going to be better and easier than the match before. Okay, I dig it. So, um, you know, we're talking about <clears throat> just, you know, Bobby Lashley against Jimmy Uso. And, like, Jimmy, you're going to go after Bobby Lashley. Like, that's what he's telling them. They have to do this, you know, or you're going to be out of the bloodline kind of a thing. So he's really kind of manipulating them into this strange, like, combat baptism kind of a thing to prove that they're still truly worthy of of their of the bloodline, right? So, um, <clears throat> here's the other thing. The brothers are forbidden to interfere in each other's matches, but they have to remain at ringside to watch their brother get systematically dismantled. Right? So that's the kind of thing. There's there's a there's a psychological aspect that he's that he's going on here too. Now, because the bloodline is three generations of greatness, they have to win three matches. I like it. In order to reunite as a tag team. But again, if one wins and one loses, it's almost like this kind of Mortal Kombat thing where you like are moving up the ladder or you're moving down the ladder. All right. So, um, and the other thing is obviously nobody can challenge Roman because he's a tribal chief and he's in charge and he's the head of the table. All right, so um, Roman Reigns has, uh, we've been kind of going through this for, for about a month or so, you know, um, Jimmy is doing well, Jay is not. And uh, the, the stakes keep getting worse and worse here. So uh, Jay is going to face Bobby Lashley here at a, at a Monday Night Raw. And uh, Heyman is being the liaison. He has to go tell the general manager what the tribal chief's plans are and, and what he wants for the match. And the general manager has to make it happen. Um, so maybe kind of skip some time around here a little bit. But let's say this has been going on for a little bit. All right. So we got a match between Jay and uh, Bobby Lashley. Um, Jay is getting ragdolled in this match. Lashley is not even breaking. Well, I'm not going to say Lashley's not breaking a sweat because we all know Lashley's going to break a sweat. Right. Yeah. Um, but as the, uh, as the match is going on, we cut to the backstage with, uh, Roman watching on a monitor and Heyman's there and Heyman's phone rings and, um, Heyman gets very, very nervous and he, he doesn't even tell the tribal chief what's going on. He just runs out of the, out of the picture. So, um, <clears throat> Jimmy can't stand to watch his brother get beat up so much anymore so he intervenes big mistake uh lashley again being the fresher one in this match just basically eliminates um jimmy as well and uh he's basically in the ring while both the brothers are just dismantled so uh at this point roman uh comes out from backstage clearly disappointed at the failure of his family the bloodline broke his rules they broke the covenant and um, Roman and Solo Sequoia begin to come out and just continue to beat up Jimmy and Jay. Man. And then the music hits. Do you smell what the Rock is cooking? Mm. And out comes Rock. We're, and we're talking heel 2003 Rock. I'm thinking more along the lines of, because I, Rock will ultimately, I think, be, be the face in this. Yeah. No matter what he does. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so 
But I'm kind of thinking more in terms of like, his wrestling ability, his physique. Like I'm kind of looking more at that image of The Rock. I don't. I'm not looking at like today's version of The Rock. You know, I like I like that athleticism of of Hollywood Rock, and you know, obviously too, he is Hollywood. So I, I do want them to kind of play off of him being the movie star and um, being the you know the real face of the family. You know, sure, you've been taking care of things here, Roman, but I'm taking care of things everywhere else. And when you compare the two, what I'm doing doesn't even compare. You know, what you're doing doesn't even compare to what I'm doing. That's right. Everybody knows who I am. You could still walk down the street and the wrong person won't know who you are. Right? That's a burn. So, <clears throat> you know, Rock, uh, Rock comes down facing Roman one-on-one um, and he, he disagrees. You know, he... He is not going to watch his family, you know, his family. You know, you're, you're the head of the table, but I'm the godfather of all of this. I'm the one whose father and grandfather, even though Roman and Rock are actually direct cousins, right? I think. Uh, second cousins. Second cousins or something. Yeah. Something? Okay. yeah. Um, so that's where we kind of get involved here. So the feud is basically going to take us through summer. And uh, I've got Rock versus Reigns at SummerSlam. This is where this is going to kind of start to to, to pick up. Um, now, during the match, uh, Solo, Sequoia, Paul Heyman, they're going to handcuff Rock to the ring. Roman's going to attack Rock to the point of a disqualification. You know, because Roman still has the titles here, too. Um, <clears throat> so they're going to cheat. You know, we want to keep this going because, again, if you're going to do Rock versus Reigns, it's got to be on the grandest stage of them all. Absolutely. So we're going to get to the point that Rock's going to get beat down. Roman, you know, you, you've been too out of the game, Rock. You know, this is still, yeah, you might, you might be taking care of business out there, but we're not out there. We're in here, and this is my yard, right? So um, that's how the pay-per-view ends. Fans almost riot. <laughs> okay. Not, not thrilled about the outcome, but yeah. So <clears throat> things kind of quiet down a little bit. Rock you know, is, is going to be off camera for a little bit. Uh, but he's going to make his return at the Royal Rumble. Now, Roman has continued to kind of go down the spiral and has gotten kind of out of control for WWE, dictating things way more than he should be. And due to his actions, um, the, 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 the board at WWE now Endeavor, is that right? The, who bought them? Yeah. 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 Um, this is new ownership. So we're not going to let you, things are going to be a little bit different around here. So Roman is now being forced to defend both titles independently on both brands. So it's not necessarily, they're unified, but they're not. So he's doing double duty on both shows right now. Um, at the Rumble, Reigns has set the defense SmackDown title against Seth Rollins during the match, which is a no DQ. Rock's going to enter the arena and he's going to lay the SmackDown all over Roman's candy ass. Uh, Seth is able to capitalize on Roman and take away the SmackDown oh, championship. Okay. So now we're starting to... Jimmy and Jay are out Those of the picture. Those titles are no longer unified. Right. Yeah. And Jimmy and Jay aren't there to really protect them either. It's just Solo Sequoia at, at this point. <clears throat> um, so then, of course, that's going to go ahead and set the stage for Rock versus Reigns at Mania. And, uh, you know, we're going to have that build up. Uh, I've got Rock winning at Mania, taking the SmackDown... Uh, cha- taking the Raw championship away from Roman. Roman is left with um, 
nothing at this point. And because this was never about the title, this was about taking away everything that Roman Reigns had built over the last three years. Um, Rock comes out on Raw on Monday night, leaves the belt right in the middle of the ring, says to the crowd, this was never about winning. This was only about ending the, the reign of the head of the table and establishing and reminding you who the true godfather is of this family and of wrestling. And then the Godfather's music hits. No, oh! no, 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 no! Don't, don't jump ahead here, guys. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Hey, 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 might the Godfather another one. Because this is all about family. So at that point, Vin Diesel comes out. <laughs> you motherfucker! And tells everyone it's all about family. And then Rock hands him a rock bottom in the middle of the ring, simultaneously ending the Bloodline and the Fast and the Furious franchise at the Talk same time. Talk about a dream match. <laughs> <laughs> a dream storyline. Anything that'll end Fast and the Furious, so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. down with yeah. it. Yeah. So um, that was, uh, that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see, see Rock versus Reigns. I think Reigns is over to the point that you know you, he doesn't need a match against Rock to, I don't think he needs to win. Right, I think it would. Uh, I think he needs a break, and I think this gives Roman an opportunity after running as hard as he's been and carrying the brand and everything. Gives an opportunity for some other guys to kind of step in, give some spotlights to some guys who have been playing mid card for a while, and you know, give him a break to come out. You know, take some time off, come back. You know, maybe yeah. be a face. See what happens. So I dig it. Uh, and obviously, everybody's been wanting the rock and roman match i mean it just it sounds like rock versus roman roman <clears throat> versus rock uh and it would be money it'd be money it would be it'd be box office gangbusters the whole nine yards i really dig that so actually i i really really like uh, the whole thing but the beginning like the the whole with like, the usos that, that was that was good because honestly that's what made the whole thing with roman work was just the, the systematic emotional breakdown yeah. of his cousins yeah <laughs> making yeah, basically them... beating them into into line yeah which was such a cool thing to watch i'd never seen anything like that in wrestling that i could think of off yeah. the top of my head before so to watch to watch and listen to you talk about that i i could envision him doing all of these things it's just really violent emotionally <laughs> abusive yeah. things yeah and, and they just take it and you know i mean you can I think one, I think in the Lashley match too. Like when I originally was thinking about this, like it was going to be a lumberjack match, and like every time that like Jimmy got tossed out of the ring, the lumberjacks would go after Jimmy, but then they would also simultaneously go after Jay. Like that was the instruction. Like you're it's just going up. to just continue, but you can, but you're not allowed to do anything about it. You got to sit there and watch. And uh, it got to the point where the brothers were at ends with each other because you know um, one brother was winning. So his matches were getting progressively easier and he was taking less of a, you know, he's going against jobbers. He's going against NXT guys. And then the other brother is going up against Brock Lesnar, is going up against Lashley, is going up against, you know, um, uh, Omos and and things like that, where it's just, it's so, it's so ridiculous that they're, or, you know, it's, it's like a three on one handicap match yeah. with, you know, um, with guys. So, but that was the whole, the whole thing. So you're watching them to the point where they kind of crack and finally, you know, defend each other. Uh, and then, when, of course, when they do that and Roman disagrees, that's when Rock has to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been idle too long watching this happen. And, uh, you know, some dogs got to be put back in their place. So I'm of the thought, 
and it, you know, if I were to change anything, uh, when you said 2003 rock, I like I instantly heard that that heel slow music he came out with that with that one little chunk of time. Yeah, the real slow saunter to the ring, where he was just because it was weird. Like the Rock was a big baby face. He went away. Let you know Lesnar beat his ass. He went away. They were chanting Rocky sucks that night at SummerSlam. I remember that pay per view, and he like a great wrestler. You 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 said Rocky. Yeah, I did. And he used that as fuel for that heel turn, which made perfect sense. Yeah. The last time The Rock was in this town, you all chanted Rocky. Such where they wrestled at SummerSlam 2001. The Rock was there. I remember The Rock remembers that. Oh, all you people can kiss The Rocks. Yeah. That whole thing made total sense because they did boo him mm-hmm. because Lesnar could not be stopped. Um, I can imagine that Rock coming back. Roman, the bloodline's in the ring. He just walks up the sunglasses, the fucking leather vest. Leather pants. He's just looking at him like, who the hell are you? Like, I don't even know who you guys are. The Rock, the Rock just comes out to him and he goes to the ring and there's some jabronis in the ring. Like, this is the whole thing. Like, he yeah. doesn't even know who Roman Reigns is. Even is. Roman's like, I'm your cousin. And you're not The Rock's cousin. Yeah, if he, if he makes him out to be non-relevant on the island of relevancy. It would be like hilarious. That, like that. You can't cut a guy deeper than that. that that's when you. That's immediately in my brain. Like, he would absolutely... Destroy Roman Reigns' ego. Take my money. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will buy tickets to your version of my boxers. <laughs> but but they got fun. That we so fun because the beauty of that heel rock was that he was a full on heel, but he was funny as hell. Yeah. So like you booed him when he fought Austin, but you kind of cheered him when he fought the the Hurricane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he was still being a dick the entire time. That's, yeah. You know. But I, uh, that's if, if I were to change anything, I would, I really would have, I would have leaned into that character, that persona of The Rock, and how Roman Reigns would have had such a hard time with the world he's the world he's built up for himself, dealing with being ignored, yeah, by a guy who's clearly a bigger star than him anyhow, yeah, and he has to he has to deal with that, you know, and watching how oh how cool it would have been if every time The Rock was on stage. Uh, uh, or in the ring, and Paul Heyman would just swoon just a tiny little bit. Yeah. Not a lot, but enough that Roman would notice. Yeah. Yeah. That if it weren't for the fact that The Rock already has a manager, already has an advocate, already has an, an advisor, well, Paul might have another wagon to hitch himself with, and Roman knows it. Mm. And the other, other and the, and the, the announcers could play into that big time. Like, you see how Roman, how Paul was looking at Rocky like that? Well, I don't know. I think uh, I think maybe he's gonna add another you know number to his Rolodex. I just said fucking Rolodex, but you know where I'm going with yeah. this. Uh, but yeah, that's but I love it. That's that's the only thing I would even add to it. No, I I like that. I like that. You know, I I think for me, I was going more with a look. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a a wrestling ability, um, versus maybe necessarily the persona. Because you know, truth be told, um, I don't have a ton. Of memories of Hollywood rock, God, necessarily best at that rock point. There ever was. I got it. Well, I'm gonna go to I, there was the, that early part of the it, ruthless aggression. I didn't really and to, get too much into. Right. To, in your defense, it was it was like three months. Yeah. It was no way out. 2003 to backlash of 2003. That was it. Yeah. That was literally it. It was Hogan, Austin, Goldberg. Yeah. But it was the best run I think rock ever had. That music was fucking fantastic. Everything about him was totally different. 
but was totally the same at the same time. He did the little yeah. rock appreciation nights where he played the, he plays guitar on Raw. Yeah, I remember that. Like, it was like no one was doing shit like that at all. But The Rock was he he took acting lessons and came back a, yeah. a fully fleshed out yeah. character. Yeah, because he literally did take yeah. acting lessons. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I would change is keep the belts unified, but have The Rock cost Roman the belts at like the Rumble. Then there's the personal aspect of A, it's family, but B, you cost me everything. And it, I think it would just add a certain angle to it. Now, if it's a non-title match at WrestleMania, how is it the main event? I think you force that to be the main event anyway. It's the main event. It has yeah. to be. Um, but I think that that might add a little more fire and anger from you know Roman side in terms of not only are you saying that you're better than me, at the table but you also cost me two years of everything that i built well it'll be you know three years at that point yeah well so i so the so let me give you a little bit of a of, of a, a explanation of why i kind of decided to go down the road i did and it actually again had a lot to do with this year's mania when you had the payoff with Sami Zayn that you did where he couldn't stand there to watch ko get attacked any longer he couldn't do it he had to go ahead and attack Roman and that whole thing, right? To me, at that point, it makes sense. And I think that's the thing that bothered me, I think, the most going into this WrestleMania was that you did not have Sammy against Roman one-on-one. Like, I think I think of all the money you were going to print at that, at that WrestleMania, that would have been probably the best main event you could have had, regardless of the outcome. Just getting Sammy an opportunity to kind of do that. Because I think with that whole storyline and how long it played out, that should have been the logical conclusion. Now, you can't do that because you've got Cody winning the Rumble. So unless you're going to have him defend on separate nights, if you do that, then what Cody challenging Roman after winning the Rumble almost takes away a little bit from his win by having Roman defend on separate nights the belts individually. So that's kind of why I had the idea of him getting cost one belt by Rock coming back at, uh, at the Rumble. So that at that point, you've got a, a Roman Reigns who, you know, is backed into a corner yeah. and, you know, has one thing left because, you know, his cousins are gone. His belt's gone. His status as head of the table is almost gone. And, uh, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a dangerous animal. That you're that's fighting for whatever he's got left, and is that going to be enough to overtake the greatest of all time? Right, right, the great one. Right. So um, that's the re- that's the only reason why I decided to kind of keep to to break the belts up at that point, just because at Mania, like you said, whether they're belts or not, that match is going to be the the last match of the of oh, the show. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be a little strange if you you know. The Rumble winner and that whole storyline of that run-up that ends up being almost a secondary piece. Because Mania always kind of tries to have the last match be for the title. You know, they try to have that headline thing. And I don't want to take away the the the, the glimmer of, of the Rumble. So, right. yeah. Well, uh, well played, Mac. Yeah, Thank you. That's really good. So, you guys did not have that one, right? No. no okay. No, no, no. I, I, I kind of wish one of us had the same one. It actually kind of been interesting, <clears> the angles. But We might have. some. One of us might have the same one. We still don't know. I doubt it. Well, maybe, but I, I feel confident. Uh, so so that was not your money match. Was that your money match? That was not my money match. Because 
You could have full. That's name. everybody's money match. <laughs> Wait, I'm curious current, what your money match yeah, is. Yeah, current I, state. That's everybody's I, money match. I think my money match might be the. Well, you'll say. Okay. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to like prop okay. it up because it might suck, but I don't think it does. <laughs> well, okay. So, and my gimmick, I think, is fantastic. So how about we speak ahead of Ladder the table match. or the table, a table? We'll go in order. We'll in around the table. So yeah. we'll always start with you, me, then Jeff, and go back to you, me, and Jeff. How about okay. That? Sounds good. All right. So let me preface this with saying, I approached this initially with kind of how Noah wrote his, um, like a lot of detail. And I'm like, okay, this night, and this night, and then on this night. And, and I, I found myself writing too much. I'm already long-winded as it is. And my storylines were becoming long-winded. So I stopped, and I kind of like reset my brain. So I'm approaching this. So you know why I'm talking the way I'm talking. And it actually made me enjoy it a little more. As if we are at the writing room, mm-hmm. and I'm can, I'm selling you on a storyline that we haven't done yet. Okay. Like how I feel like this should play out. Yep. All right. We're 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 planning the next feud for our top two of our top talents here. Okay. So <clears throat> the feud is, and I'm I'll go right to the top. The the feud, the match, where it happens. Uh. 1998 Stone Cold Steve Austin, and this is no surprise because I kind of said I wanted to do this off off air anyhow, but I, I didn't want, I wasn't gonna do it, and I was like, you know what? When I think of dream matches, this is the match. It's the first one I think about. So 1998 Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, versus 1979-1983 Rowdy Roddy Piper. Jeff, can you hand me the nipple clamps, please? <laughs> Do you want the ones that electrocute or not? I only want the ones that okay. electrocute. Just making sure. Okay. Oh. Um, this takes place in 1998. The match will take place at WrestleMania 14. Uh, in an I Quit match. Ooh, we covered that WrestleMania. Uh-huh. In an I Quit match. And this, I chose 1998 because this is Steve Austin 98. And he is white hot. He, I don't think he was more, maybe 99? But ultimately, in terms of just pure merch sales and excitement, 98 was his year. It over, was the year of Austin. Over like Rover. Right. You can, you can argue 99, 2000, but Rock was 1A, 1B, right? Like, he was just as popular or close to as Austin. But in 98, there was nobody on the level of a babyface as Steve Austin was. I feel like we can agree with that. Yep. Okay, so... Imagine, if you will, during the 1998 Royal Rumble, Austin eliminates Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, and I should say this for our listeners, uh, for anybody, I made it a point to send in our group chat between these two gentlemen some YouTube clips of 80s, 70s Rowdy Roddy Piper promos because I'm a big fan of Piper, but the Piper that we grew up with is not the Piper that was famous, was famous for being the Rowdy one. Right. Yeah. Motherfucker was crazy. And but a good, funny, oh, interesting, crazy, so good. And like his promos, like it's it's wild that his best years by the t- were over by the time I was old enough to watch wrestling. Yeah, for like, sure. His best promos, his best matches, his best characters, and I went like a rabbit hole <clears throat> to give you context for Piper's personality. Like, dude made no sense. He was he was equal parts babyface and heel at any given time. He did his own thing. He rarely ever lost because that's how Piper rolls. It's actually a thing. It's like a little meme. Piper never really loses. 
You watch all like his WWF matches. How often does he ever lose? Never actually happens. It's like a DQ. It's a count out. Piper never likes to lay down for anybody. Uh, but Rowdy Roddy Piper was the type of guy who would get in your face, smile at you, shake your hand, turn on and punch your wife in the face, turn back to you, and say you're welcome. <laughs> like, he was just this dastardly villain, but he was an anti-hero at the same time. So, please watch some... Just YouTube Rowdy Roddy Piper in 1981. Oh, it's totally worth it. It's oh, the it's stuff that he's God. doing. I'm like, I wish I could have watched this guy when I was a kid and really appreciated it. Anyhow. So, the context right there. Piper, who had vowed to dethrone the WWF world champ, Shawn Michaels, the leader of D-Generation X, is infuriated. He's pissed. He's kicking things over. He's throwing chairs. He's, he's roughing up a ring announcers. Uh, and he points at Austin and starts swearing at him. They have like a little verbal altercation. Austin's yelling at him back, back and forth, back and forth. And eventually, the WWF officials, this is 1998, this is very 1998. The WWF officials escort Piper to the back. Sometime later, Piper comes back out during the Rumble, during the final four. Austin, Undertaker, The Rock, and Road Dog. Piper pulls up a chair and sits at ringside and watches. No one really notices at first, and eventually it comes down to Undertaker and Austin. Final two. Piper gets up onto the apron and extends his hand to Austin like an olive branch, to shake his hand. While The Undertaker is recuperating from a Stone Cold Center because Austin's about to throw him over the top. Austin's got this shit won. Austin turns and gets distracted by this and is thrown over the top by The Undertaker. Well, Undertaker's now going to WrestleMania 14, baby. History's changed, right? By the time Austin realizes what's happened, Piper's already way on his way back. He's already gone. He booked it already. The next night on Raw, Austin calls out Piper. Calls him a yellow-bellied chump if he doesn't come out. Piper comes out to a chorus of booze. Austin says that he'll give Piper one minute to explain himself before he opens up a can of whoop-ass. Piper calmly, succinctly, and matter-of-factly says that he came down to the ring the night before and extended his hand in order to apologize for his unsportsmanlike conduct earlier in the Rumble. Austin is exasperated. <laughs> he doesn't know what to make of any of this, <laughs> right? And asks him to clarify. Piper reiterates that he wants nothing more than to ex extend the olive branch and apologize, you see? Mr. Austin? Because he calls him Mr. Austin over and over again. Mr. Oh, Austin. Right? It's like calling somebody Mike Bay. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, here we go. Austin informs him of what he can do with said olive branch. Uh, still calm. Piper says that if he's, if he's not man enough to accept his apology, he has nothing more to talk about and begins to leave. <laughs> uh, Piper, uh, as he's getting out of the ring, Austin grabs him. Piper turns around and clocks him with brass knuckles that he had hidden in his jacket. Just puts him right the fuck out. Austin's out, cold. Piper grabs the, the house mic, leans over Austin, shakes his limp hand. And uh, leans a little closer and says, You see there, Mr. Austin? I knew you are a man of conscience. Or rather, a man of unconscious. I'll tell you what, folks. <laughs> Talk about stone cold, huh? You know, and he just gets up, walks out of the ring. Smile on his face. And he stops. 
right at the top where the Titantron is, turns back around and he says, The other thing I wanted to apologize for is what I'm going to do to you, son. You, you took the Rumble from me. You took WrestleMania from me. You stole a lot of money from me. And now I'm going to cost you. I'll see you next week, Mr. Austin. And just leaves. Alright? Big grin on his face. The next week on Raw, Austin shows up looking for Piper. Beating up anyone in his way. He just gets out of his fucking truck and just starts punching people. And he's just, I mean, no one embarrasses Stone Cold Steve Austin. No one bests him like that. And insults him like that. Um, Austin gets to the ring. Calls him out. Piper doesn't show up. But appears on the Titantron. Piper says that he doesn't trust Austin and he won't come out due to hostile working conditions. And until he calms down, he's not going to get within five feet of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin says he's going to drag Piper from whatever hole he's hiding in and beat his ass no matter what. He also says that he's not surprised that a guy in a skirt is afraid of a fair fight. Piper gets very angry and very offended, but laughs it off and says he'll see Austin later. Piper then, later in the night, interferes in Austin's main event match, costing him uh, to be counted out. Now, we're going to hit a bunch of bullet points here, because I'm not going over every single show. But what proceeds to happen to build this up is, the next week, Austin is, at this point, he's had enough. So he wants a match with Piper at WrestleMania. Period. McMahon has other plans. Now, this is before Mr. McMahon has fully formed. This is, this is, we're not there yet, so this is yeah, just, just Vince, Vince the boss, yeah. who's still like, well, Steve, I don't know. And Austin just beats his ass. <laughs> <laughs> until, until McMahon says, okay, you get a match with Piper. Because in this world, we're not going full Mr. McMahon for a while. We're not going to get to that. But in my head, in my head canon, there was like a whole other thing with Undertaker, Michaels, Austin, and Mr. McMahon. But that's a, a story for another episode. Um, let's see where we at. Yeah. So the build-up to the matches, Piper constantly shows up, costs Austin a match. Whether it's a count-out, whether it's a disqualification, he sneaks and does something, or he'll, you know, do it like a, an Eddie Guerrero bit where, like, he'll knock somebody outside a chair in the ring and just walk away, and the ref sees Austin, and Austin gets, you know, disqualified. Austin's never been in a position like this. Where somebody's just besting him constantly. You know, when you said he's costing him every match, I had this idea of Stone Cold being at a bar. <clears throat> I like this already. And, uh, you know, somebody asks for a light, and he lights a match, and Piper just walks by and knocks the match out of his hand and just keeps walking. <laughs> I like that. Now, the coin is flipped, because Austin starts doing the same thing to Piper. Piper has an Intercontinental title match, and he's got one. Austin interferes, costing Piper the Intercontinental title win. Eventually, like, the, 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 the color of this, this build is Piper starts accusing Austin of being a drunk, saying that he's not fit to make rational decisions as an adult. All sorts of stuff. It's the pure war of the words, right? But they never actually have, like, a face-to-face -face confrontation because every time they get into words, Piper's always on the Titantron. Being, like, just a full-on heel, he refuses. But he'll interview in all of his matches. It gets to a point where... Austin just can't take it anymore. And every time Austin att like, attempts to get his hands on Piper, he just slips away. Slips away at the last second. Um, I can see when you're talking about him accusing being a full-on drunk, I could see there being a segment where Stone Cold comes late to the arena like he does, you know, and they follow him going to his locker room and he walks into his locker. There's an intervention. 
that Piper organized. <laughs> that would be good. There's, there's, just, there's just a counselor sitting there and there's a couple of like... <laughs> That's like 2002. There's a couple like low-level wrestlers sitting in there and they're all going to sit there and spend time talking about how Stone Cold's drinking has, uh, has affected them in their lives. So, uh, eventually, as the, you know, the weeks progress, because we got to get from Rumble to, to WrestleMania... Uh, Austin, you know, he's he's passive. Piper's passive aggressive. Every time they interact, he's very smiley. All that, no physicality, no real physicality until like the last two weeks, the last two weeks building up to WrestleMania, and Piper's like, you know, you fancy yourself a rattlesnake, but where I'm from, we cut the heads off the rattlesnakes, we skin them, we eat them. You know, you think you're a tough man, Mr. Austin. You think that you fancy yourself uh, the toughest son of a bitch, the toughest SOB in the WWF. Well, I'm not the toughest SOB in the WWF. I'm the most violent. I'm the most brutal. I'm the craziest son of a bitch in wrestling today. And I'm going to take years off your career, son. I'm going to hurt you in ways you never knew you could be hurt. Like that sort of thing. It starts to get very, very personal, you know. Uh, And Austin, you know, in pure, true Austin 1998 fashion... Uh, he tells him, for example, I, I just wrote a little quick little promo. WrestleMania 14, I'm going to whip your sorry ass straight back to Scotland, Ireland, Iceland, Greenland, Newfoundland, asshole land, sorry some bitch land, and asshole land. See, I respect you, Piper. I respect you, son. I really do. But you remind me a lot of myself. But make no mistake that respect only goes about this far as he gestures the bird. You made one mistake and you didn't put my ass down for good, which you should have done. Because I'm going to take years off your life. I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. And you're going to wish that you're wearing some pants. Not that silly skirt you wear all the time. Like, it's a really stone cold situation. Because now he's... <laughs> Thanks. It's, I'm just handing Jones my wallet right now, everybody. It's not even cash. He's taking the cards, take too. The cards too. <laughs> take all of my money for this, sir. <laughs> um, so, skipping a lot of the stuff because I won't go too long here. Uh, the match. Is an I quit match. Uh, WrestleMania 14. Piper comes out. Oh, oh, and I missed. I shouldn't skip this part. The the night, the last Raw before the show, they finally get in the ring together. Finally. There's a pull apart. There's a scuffle. And Piper gets one more crack on him. With the brass knocks again. But busts him open. Lays him lying in a pool of his own blood. Night after the rumble, knocks him out. Night, the show before Mania knocks him out the same brass knuckles. Um, so WrestleMania 14, Piper comes out brandishing those brass knuckles that he's knocked Austin out with two times now. Uh, the finish of the match, and they, they, they battle all over the arena. The ring, the ringside, the audience, they fight up in the concessions area. We're talking pure 1998 action here. The stuff that they would have done back then. Throwing Piper over tables and all that. They just beat the shit out of each other, basically. I want to point out that this is the first time uh, in the podcast that uh, outside objects have been uh, brought into the conversation. And it was not by me. Hey, look at that. Uh, The finish is, they're back in the ring. Uh, Piper puts Austin in the sleeper hold, his finish. Austin's going down. He's going down. He's going down. And he low blows him, like a little back kick low blow, that, that trick knee from his football days. On Piper, loosening up his sleeper hold enough for a quick stunner. Piper's out. Austin gets up, looks over towards one of the the, 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 the ring posts and sees those brass knuckles. Walks over to him, picks it up, puts it on, stands over Piper and just starts punching him in the head. Over 
and over and over and opens up Piper the hard way, gets the juice, gets the blood, and he keeps hitting him until Piper screams into the mic, I quit, I quit, you son of a bitch, I quit. And Austin is victorious. After a bloody, violent feud with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oof, now, rod. there's a lot I could have added, there's a lot I skipped, but that's, that's the general... Like I'm selling the idea of, this, of the storyline as if it hasn't really happened. I mean, I think you could have just, like, so. I think you sold the idea for me when you said Stone Cold Steve <laughs> Austin versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. I didn't need anything else after that. Okay. Like that, I, oh my God. I, I, I want, this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of things right now. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Because like, Imagine it. I want all of these matches now. Mm-hmm. Like I want Sean versus Eddie. I want to see Rock versus Roman. I want to see Rowdy Roddy Piper against Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's phenomenal, Jones. Thank you. I'm, 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 like I said, all, I'm just going to give you my password and my 401k <laughs> and you take all of that money. Okay. I'll take that Roth so. IRA too while you're at it. <laughs> There's not a lot in that one. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, my only regret in all the years of being a wrestling fan is that we didn't get to experience that rowdy rowdy piper in when it was actually happening because you you mentioned the promos and if you go back and watch some of these promos dude was fucking off the rails yeah there's one promo where he smashes a bottle over his head and he's bleeding (laughs) and he's just didn't sell he's just going on and it's like at the absurdity level of it uh but the impact and the character of rowdy piper uh if you put that Piper with this Austin, I mean, that's what I mean. When that's I think where, of dream that, the magic could happen. That is the yeah. first one I went. I was gonna not do it. I'm like, I have to do it. That was the one that I actually reached out to Jones about because we had talked about it previously, yeah. and I'm like, Jones, are you doing this? Because if you are, I don't want to do it. Uh, because that was the the second one that I thought of <laughs> uh, was was Austin against Piper. Because a lot of people. You know, dear sweet, sweet wrestling listeners, all four of you that that routinely listen to our <laughs> wrestling episodes, we appreciate you. We do. We oh, we we appreciate the shit out of you. Believe me. And for the rest of you who decide not to listen to these, the fuck's wrong with you? These are fucking gold. Um, <laughs> They're not that you know they don't listen to this. There's a <laughs> there's a world of professional wrestling that existed before the WWE, and there were stars that existed in a world before the WWE. Vince McMahon to his credit, saw the opportunity of globalizing wrestling and having one territory, and the territory being the United States. And I'm going to go ahead and cherry-pick people from all these different territories, and I'm going to put them all in the ring together, and I'm going to put it on TV, national television, and it's going to be mine now. That was that's Everything Vince McMahon did in the history of wrestling, that was his, that's his crown jewel. He saw the bigger picture and then made it happen. Um, the Rowdy Roddy Piper that we got was, was as Jones said, after all of this. So you have this vision of Piper in your mind, but you don't know the Piper who was working out. He was working in L.A., wasn't he? Dude, Piper worked. He worked, Georgia, he was he worked working Georgia Championship. Georgia Championship. He worked Mid-South. Yep. He worked uh, in the Oregon Territories. He worked in, I'm pretty sure he worked in San Francisco. I could be, I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're but right about that. Piper's been wrestling since like 77, I He's think. He's been wrestling since he was, what, like 19? So, yeah, he was pretty he young. He was real young when he got started. So, so like, the Piper, now here's the thing, most of our listeners are around the same age. So the Piper that you act 
actively remember, and not the because you watched, you know, WrestleMania recaps that we all watched growing up, but the one you actively remember watching live was Piper in 96 fighting Goldust in the backlot brawl. Piper fighting, you know, Bret Hart at WrestleMania 8. Piper hitting uh, Snooker with a coconut. But even that, like, we remember, but we didn't watch it, watch yeah. it. Like, right. we were so young yeah. to really understand that level of violence mm-hmm. that Piper was. Yeah. How incre- incredibly how off the rails he actually was. But the Piper that we got, that we watched during our formative years, was the older, not nearly as crazy and violent, but still funny, but still entertaining yeah. Piper. But the that motherfucker... And I'm so glad that YouTube exists and that people upload these things. Yeah. Because I would have never known mm-hmm. who this dude really, really was. And I just, like, I wish... If there's any one wrestler in all of wrestling history that I wish could have existed when I was 14 years old in that stage of his career, it's that dude. Yeah. Because he would have he ate it up. He would have made the Attitude Era something else entirely. It would have been great. A young, you guys a, liked it. a young Piper yeah, was awesome. was meant to be in the Attitude Era. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. All right. It's my turn. It is your turn, so I'm waiting for this. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm nervous Just to give everybody a prep. So uh, both Dave and Herb here have long-form paragraphs that they wrote out. Uh, I did not do that. <laughs> uh, I just wrote bullet points uh, to sort of... Broad brush strokes paint the story All right. uh, for these feuds. So, for the record, I did not intend to show up here with a four-page typed document about this. It it happened. There was I couldn't stop it. Like <laughs> once it I started writing some of this stuff out, it just kept coming and coming and coming. Giggity. Thank you. Um, I couldn't stop. They're just buckets of words on pages. Buckets. Buckets. Okay, so my first feud. Uh, starts in 2004. Uh, WrestleMania 20 in Madison Square Garden. Undertaker versus Kane. The return of the Phenom version of the Undertaker. The indestructible Undertaker. The I have superpowers Undertaker. So he wins his match against Kane at WrestleMania. Uh, over the course of, of that year, he has, you know, odd feuds with Mark Henry and Orton. Uh, at SummerSlam, though, he has a match with Dave's favorite, JBL. Uh, the way mm. that I see it playing out mm. is uh, JBL won via disqualification, I believe. That makes sense, because he's a low-down, dirty, cheating, mama jawama <laughs> running fuck. But imagine, if you will, uh, because, you know, during that particular phase of The Undertaker... Hold on, Jeff. That, that whole exchange just got me real upset. I got, I got heartburn. I got to take some Tums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, JR sells the shit out of The Undertaker. He's indestructible. The man can't be killed. Uh, he can't be stopped. There's no stopping The Undertaker. No matter what happens, he always rises. He always comes back. So after this particular match, uh, the lights go out. After the match. I know where this is coming. I already and feel there's, this. And there's the lights flicker. There's some lightning. There's flashes of a tree on the Titan Tron. You motherfucker, you. And up in the rafters with a single oh. spotlight oh. is Sting. Ooh. Not just any Sting. 
1996, the emergence of the Crow version of Sting. I dig it. Black and white, trench coat, bat. The character created by the one and only Scott Hall, who said, Hey, Stinger, did you ever see this movie Crow? He's like, no. He's like, are you going to wear those colorful tights? He's like, yeah. He's like, you should watch this movie. He's like, I'm not saying you should rip off The Undertaker. He's like, but you should, you should rip off The Undertaker. And then they presented that to Bischoff, and then that version of Sting was born. So Sting's in the rafters, right? And then the lights go out, and then they come back on, and he's gone. That's it. He's gone. Nobody knows what to think. The next night on Raw... No taker, no sting. Next pay-per-view match. Again, same thing happens to taker. After the match, lights go out, lights go on, stinger's up there. Taker starts getting paranoid. Because now sting hasn't said a word. Nobody really knows why he's there. They just know that he's stalking the Undertaker for whatever reason. So... This goes on for months and months, and nobody really knows why. Um, But then, at the Royal Rumble in 2005, Undertaker has a casket match against Heidenreich. (laughs) Oh, shit. Why? Nobody fucking knows. I don't even remember Heidenreich. I barely remember him. The deepest cut so far, oh, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Yes, Not yes. the Bari. Yeah. It's yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, in this particular match, not the way it went down, but the way it should have went down, when Taker opens the casket to throw Heidenreich in, Sting is in the casket oh, shit. with his bat, and he comes out, and he attacks the Undertaker and throws Taker in the casket, and Heidenreich wins. So the next night on Raw, Sting comes down to the ring for the first time and cuts a scathing promo on The Undertaker about how he's not indestructible, how he's not the phenom, how he's not the greatest sort of dark character that there is in wrestling history. Stinger is that guy. And then the gong hits and Taker comes down. And they're standing face to face in the ring. No words exchanged, just face to face, stare down. The lights go out, the lights come on, Stinger's gone, Taker's laid flat on the ring, and the bat is just laying there. Okay. Everyone's like, oh shit, (laughs) oh shit, this is going down. Uh, The next week, Stinger shows up just via video package. And challenges Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania to put his streak on the line against Sting. Which he graciously accepts. So imagine now, WrestleMania 21, which takes place at the Staples Center in LA. Instead of Taker versus Orton, which is what we had, we get Taker versus Sting. Both in their prime black and white phases of their career. Uh, streak on the line and they both come out of the gate swinging they go fucking hard at each other Uh, all bets are off at this point they're just beating each other down Uh, stinger hits the death drop on taker 
and Taker is fucking laid out. And then Taker sits up. Like it didn't even phase him. Now we've seen people nearly get their necks broken from the death drop in the WCW days. Taker sits up and Stinger's beside himself. He does not know how anyone could take a shot like that and just sit up like it was nothing. Paul Bear knew he could do it, uh, but Stinger did not. Hmm. Taker gets up. He gets the choke slam. He gets the tombstone. And he solidifies his streak at 13-0 and by defeating Sting, who then is just, as quick as he came, is gone. Oh, shit. He's, and he's just gone. He's just gone. <clears throat> Man. That's a... You know, the, first of all, excellent work. Uh, it, it, it's funny. If there was ever a dream match in wrestling history, it really is that match. It really is. It really, truly is. And that didn't even cross my mind. Even though I've thought about it a million times before this assignment... Didn't even think about it. I'm so mad at you because <laughs> of of the six or seven scenarios I came up with, one of which was Mick Foley versus Mankind versus Dude Love versus oh, Cactus Jack. Um, I did not even think for a second. Because I was thinking, like, well, what can I do with Undertaker? Who could Undertaker wrestle? Like, what yeah, because be, be like, even, I mean, you know, most wrestling fans are like, oh, over the years, it's like, oh, it would have been great if this, if that was The Undertaker yeah. and Sting. And even, like, at the end of Taker's career, they're like, oh, if he could only get, you know, one match with Sting. And Sting didn't even, you know, step foot in a WWF ring until, what was it, 2014 or yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, something where like he that. just showed, he didn't wrestle, he just was there. He gave the death drop to Triple H. Yeah. Um, but those two particular points in time because you know obviously there's been you know 10 iterations of the undertaker and each of them have their own sort of unique style and feel and his mark calloway's approach to the character and in those specific points in time but i think this particular return of the phenom where he still had a bit of like badass taker but he was you know fully embracing the dark side of his character and the emergence of that version of Sting. Uh, and I mean, you know, Sting still has that character today. Sting can cut a great fucking promo. Mm-hmm. He's great on the mic. Yes. Taker's not great on the mic. He's more of a, a physical, sort of this ominous presence. Um, and I think that that lends itself well to those two playing off each other. Um, and we've seen, you know, Sting cut some super shade promos mm-hmm. <laughs> over the years awesome. uh, and for him to do that and the undertaker to come out and get laid out yeah. i think would i mean that would be the cherry on top to fucking sell that match there's such an opportunity to like you got to go through the whole thing and i could see all of it uh, quite frankly but man like sting doing like a, a big he's shouldering more of the promos himself but i could hear him saying you know and this WrestleMania Undertaker, this will be your 13th attempt to keep that streak alive. They say that's the unlucky number for people in the world. What's well, going to be my lucky number? Undertaker. It's going to be... It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing writes itself. That's it so money. That's a money feud. That's the whole point, right? Um, if I could... If I could cheat, if I could change anything, you can. It's not real, so. If I could change anything at all, this is entirely fictitious in our minds. You change what you will, sir. Whatever you will. If you will. Um, there's not a whole lot outside of um. Heidenreich. (laughs) Can't change that. That really happened. 
I would have been kind of cool. Yeah, it'd have been kind of cool. I mean, it's been done a, a bunch of times, but it's it's always a it's always a money moment having someone steal the urn and have Sting drop down behind Paul Bearer at ringside, snatch it off and go <laughs> and lift it right back up <laughs> with the fucking urn. <laughs> and then, because here's the beauty: I know we in every four episodes, I give my love song to the Undertaker as the greatest character that has ever existed, the greatest gimmick that has ever existed, because it is the only one that everybody suspends disbelief for completely. Yeah, Grown yeah, you, you totally buy it. Yeah, know yeah. that you watched this man when you were ten years old, eight years old, and you are now 40, 42, and you are still yeah totally buying that there's something in that urn. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what would have been cool is if. Sting comes, snatches the urn, goes back up to the rafters, and the next week he starts having Undertaker's powers a little bit. Lightning bolts from like the the you know the, the yeah ring I could or see something. that yeah it, not nothing too crazy yeah but like in a bit to shake the Undertaker just a hair just a little bit. I'm gonna give you one further from that Jones. He not only just takes the Undertaker's urn, but and starts assuming some of the Undertaker's powers. Kane shows up in a white and black mask. Oh shit. Listen, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> it's gotta be Kane. <laughs> it's gotta be Kane! He yeah. just, he not only takes everything of like, starts assuming the Undertaker's abilities, he also takes the Undertaker's brother. And then, you know, not because Stang is a foreign entity in WWE at this point, right? This is a WCW Stang. Yep. So Stang needs to have a little bit of uh, protection when he's in those buildings because you don't know who in WWE wants to make a name for themselves. So just Kane is just falling around, uh, falling I, around uh, Sting. I haven't said this one. I'm gonna piggyback off of what you said. God damn it! All right, uh, makes, makes and, no and alter piggybacks. what you just said and add to Jeff's story as a so Undertaker beats Sting at WrestleMania. Yes. Fuck. Sting disappears. Well, double fuck. All right. Three months later, two months later, whatever. Kane arrives. You haven't seen Kane in a while. Red and black Kane. Pissed off, he still hates his brother Kane. With a red and black sting. Wolfpack sting. But it ain't Wolfpack. It's a different sting. An angrier sting. And they want the Undertaker. There we go. Oh. Writes, it, writes itself. Who, who would the Undertaker team with? To Where? take it one step further. To take on Kane and Sting. We're talking 2004. Mm-hmm. 2004. Um, by, by that point, we're talking mid-2004, Randy Orton is World's Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Batista's still part of Evolution, yep. but the cracks are showing. Okay, so they're, they're, we can't really... You could? Edge, maybe? No! Randy Orton. Brood Edge. Randy Orton, Heavyweight Champion Randy Orton. Who will then eventually turn on the Undertaker, going into the it's Legend Killer set, gimmick? Set that up. That's mm. sick. Yeah, we should just do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little time machine. Go back in time. We'll abduct Sting. We're so smart. Our our phones gonna <laughs> our phones gonna start ringing. This will be WWE creative calling. Like, yeah. Gentlemen, we uh we 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 have a job for you. Yeah. Let's let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed that man, and that's I really I really wouldn't change much. I I wouldn't change. I would just add to. Yeah. But like yeah, that's the only thing I would do is add uh, add to it. But you know what's wild? So 
we've just booked just with these three matches maybe the greatest pay-per-view never seen all right <laughs> yeah, we're not done yet yeah these aren't even our quote-unquote money matches nope. no, I'm these at were these were the number twos we had yeah. everybody my money match i think is a money match i'm so also relieved that you guys did not say one of my other ones yet we haven't had an overlap well, well we're gonna find out we're gonna find out because i if, if either of you chose the, these combination of people from these specific times and i'd be really impressed and a little disappointed but really impressed yeah <laughs> i guess we'll find out yeah Matt. so with All that right. give it to us Matt. so um so as much as i wanted to do my mick foley versus dude love versus cactus jack versus mankind um and I also want to throw an honorable mention out to the Dudleys versus the Steiner brothers. If I was going to do a tag team, which may I may book that one later on, because I don't think this will be the only time we're going to do this format. I, I feel like we're going to do this again. Uh, but my, my money match, everybody. And this is the one where I said it's going to kind of blur the lines of how wrestling works. <laughs> it's, a, it's ice skating rink. Because I can. Because mm-hmm. this is fictitious and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, it is going to be... Kurt Angle against Brett the Hitman Hart. All right, all right, all right. Now, from what eras are we talking here? I am going Kurt Angle, Ruthless Aggression slash TNA. Oh, man, the wrestling machine. Yep. Okay. Against about early 90s Bret Hart. Oh, I did not expect that. Yeah. But early 1992, the Bret Hart who's going to find out from um, in the middle of SummerSlam that um, his brother completely or his uh, brother-in-law completely forgot the entire uh, payoff of the match because he's he's just so fucking high on cocaine that he's just going to go ahead and like do an entire match on his own. Yeah. So. So the era that this ta- is taking place is going to be post uh, ruthless aggression, in the John Cena Randy Orton years, where we have a a bit of a gap in terms of high end talent, low end talent. You know, there's we we go through these periods in wrestling when you've got you know one or two guys who are carrying the load in terms of main event guys. And you're waiting for the roster to kind of catch up. And I want to go in this era too because it, it plays into the whole angle for Kurt Angle. So Kurt Angle is not a member of WWE at this point. Kurt Angle is a member of TNA. And Kurt Angle um, is upset. Kurt Angle... Just in general or anything specific? No, he's, he's <laughs> something. something is in his craw. If you if you will, mm-hmm. um, about his place in the history of wrestling. Now we've had conversations off the air about, you know, people trying to book Kurt Angle in WWE, and then like you know like those famous like things with Triple H, like you know Kurt Angle could ever beat me in a match. Nobody's gonna believe that. And then Kurt Angle has him is choking him out in the middle of the creative room and being like, I'm sorry, what what did you say? You know, I I can't beat you. I just did. And I didn't even stretch, you know. So, um, Kurt Angle has left WWE. And he's working for TNA. And he is the TNA champion. And it's too easy for him. And he is looking back on the history of wrestling and his place in it. 
man is an Olympic gold uh, medal heavyweight champion with a broken freaking neck, multi-time collegiate national champion, U.S. champion. The guy has all the gold medals, right? And a uh, shrine in Mount Lebanon High School uh, as well. Um, but he's upset that he was that he's not in the same place as the names like The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, Ric Flair, The Undertaker, Sting, um, you know, Dusty Rhodes. Like his name is not being echoed in with the greats. Bruno San Martino, right? All of them. And this just doesn't sit with him. So Kurt Angle um, has decided to do something that no person in the history of wrestling has ever done before. He is now setting his sights to become the true world champion of professional wrestling. So. Is that like a unified title across promotions? Yes. So he starts with Ring of Honor. He takes out Ring of Honor. He goes to New Japan, champion of New Japan. And kind of like how you have with boxing. Yeah. Because boxing, you know, world heavyweight champions have multiple multiple belts a lot of time, you know, when they're when they're winning across the different promotions. Um, Kurt Angle has taken on now the moniker of the Conqueror. He's oh, the shit. conquering I'm, Kurt Angle. Alright, I'm down with this. <laughs> Think Thanos. <laughs> But with wrestling, and that'll, instead of an, that'll sell some merch. Instead of an Infinity Stones, they're they're championship belts. Now, have you guys ever seen the movie Warrior? No. Okay. I don't remember. <clears throat> it is Tom Hardy. It's Joel Edgerton. It's oh, yeah, Nick yeah, Nolte. Yeah. It's a UFC movie. In this movie, Kurt Angle plays a uh, a UFC fighter named Koba. He's a Russian, you know, middleweight cha- like champion of the world, the most dangerous man on the planet. You watch this movie, you watch the, like, the main fight that he's in as Koba, and you look into that man's eyes, and I, I, I swear to you, there is not a man in this planet who would look into that man's eyes and not feel the fear of God looking back at him. Because Kurt Angle really sells the, I'm the baddest fucking person on the planet kind of a thing. And that's the angle I'm kind of going with this. <clears throat> so... He knows he's greater than everybody, and now he's on a drive to prove it. So now all of a sudden, he's, he's going across promotions, and he's got all the belts except WWF, WWE. Which at this point in time, it's still the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship. So we, we're still honoring the WCW lineage and the, the WWF. So those are the only two belts he needs. How's he going to get them? The answer lies, ladies and gentlemen, at WrestleMania. Now, in my reality at this point, WrestleMania uh, still has my favorite gimmick match of all time, the Money in the Bank. And at this Money in the Bank, we've got CM Punk, we've got Chris Jericho, we've got Shelton Benjamin, Kofi Kingston, we've got John Morrison, uh, we've got a, a, a nice group of up-and-comers. Um, and... At the beginning of the pay-per-view, nobody can find CM Punk. Where's Punk? Why can't we find Punk? What happened to Punk? Nobody knows. It's like real life right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, it's yeah. an AEW joke. It is. It is. Giggity. <laughs> so, um, 
eventually the officials find CM Punk unconscious, lying backstage in a pile of boxes or cases or rubble or whatever you want. And it is determined that CM Punk is unfit to compete in Money in the Bank. So now there's an opening. There's now an entry that and nobody knows who it's going to be. But people are speculating. People feel a little, they're nervous because Kurt Angle's been showing up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he fucking means business. He's a lone wolf. He doesn't have anybody watching his back. He's just destroying everybody. So, um, <clears throat> as we go through Money in the Bank, the mystery contestant, contestant is revealed. The Conqueror has arrived. Oh, shit. Forbidden door. Yep. Yeah, Angle right. has arrived. Yep. So Kurt Angle wins Money in the Bank, and he disappears. Not to be seen again on WWE Airwaves. Now, of course, as you all know, Money in the Bank is a contract for a title match of your choosing. Any, any place, anytime. Any place, anytime, next 365 days. Now, the thing with WWE, when you have Money in the Bank, is that that performer is front and center. So this is the first time the Money in the Bank winner has not been front and center. But, you know, Kurt Angle shows up. He's got his belts. He has his briefcase and TNA, and that's kind of his home and everything, right? So um, we don't know where he is. We don't know when he's going to do it. It's not going to be evident. So we got to. So everybody's really uneasy. There's this. There's just tenseness that's going on in the air. Now we fast forward to SummerSlam, um, and it's at Heinz Field. Okay. Because in this reality, we can do that. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, like it should be, in beautiful sunny Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, the main event is going to be for the Unified Heavyweight Championship. It features John Cena against, as was every pretty much title match at this time, Randy Orton. Okay. All right. Um, It is a 60... Here we go. It is a 60-minute Iron Man TLC match. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) An Iron Man TLC match. That's something that's going to shorten a career. Um, (laughs) I mean, there's a point for this. In this reality, one of them is now dead. So we just had it. And I said that because we saw the Iron Man match in person between John Cena and Randy Orton. And um, one of the greater moments of our time watching wrestling together was watching Randy Orton realize that he could set off the pyro on the uh, on the stage yeah. and then decide he was going to try to kill John just Cena. Blow his ass just up. blow him up. Um which he didn't and then we we always joked he's like after that point he was just going to walk backstage and come out with a shotgun. <laughs> shotgun. And just and just do the thing, right? <clears throat> now, um the match is crazy as it would be. They end up at the Fountain at Point State Park. Uh, Randy Orton across the bridge yeah like I said it got wild Um, Randy Orton is trying to drown Cena in the fountain (laughs) and then Kurt Angle's music cues outside outside okay so um, Angle comes riding in on on like uh, like a a regatta boat it docks he comes off cashes it in with a referee in tow one two three at the point takes the belts from from Cena and Orton he is now the un, he's he is now conquered wrestling. He has all the belts. Um, okay, now Angle doesn't have time as the conqueror. He doesn't have time to waste with beleaguered pay per views and and every different challenger. And you know, he's very strategic in what he's what he's doing. So we're not going to see him really appearing on Raw or SmackDown or Survivor Series or bragging rights or anything because he is bragging rights. You know, I own it all. I like that. 
Um, but he does agree to face Cena at the Royal Rumble to defend his his tit- his titles. Um, because at this point in time, who's left? Kurt Angle has beaten everybody across all promotions, across all platforms. <clears throat> so, um, there's no one left to defeat until number 26 of the Royal Rumble, the mystery entrant, you hear the guitar street screech. Oh, boy. And out come making his first appearance in the WWE since the Montreal Screwjob. Brett the motherfucking Hitman Hart. I'm in. I'm in. So, Hart pins Jericho to win the Rumble. And of course, there's only one person to challenge. And that is going to be Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. You mean he throws him over the ropes? Uh, pin him? Oh, yeah, yeah. He throws him over the ropes. He beats him. He well, beats Jericho. Jericho's the last guy. Jericho's the last guy. Fuck you, Jeff. <laughs> just ask him. Just ask him for <laughs> just, a friend. Just destroy The audience wants to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he throws Jericho. Well, I mean, remember Jericho was trying to pin people in the in the rumble before. <laughs> kind of forgot what that uh, he was doing. All right. So the only man who's going to be able to face the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. You've never faced anyone like me, Kurt. Uh, and come WrestleMania, you'll learn what the excellence of execution truly means. So. Um, what happens over the course of the next couple of months is that because we're going cross wrestling promotions, uh, Brett is now starting to follow Kurt Angle. Okay. So Brett's showing up on TNA. Brett's showing up on Ring of Honor when Kurt's there. He's always constantly reminding him that he's there. Uh, so we get to the biggest main event of all time in wrestling history. It is a 35 minute match between Brett and Kurt. And uh, Brett saves the WWE by winning back the titles. That'd be a barn burner there, man. Yeah. So that's my um, so that's my that's my that's my match. That's a so, money match. Solid. Um, that's a hell of a buildup. With with well, <laughs> it spanned I wasn't, multiple promotions. Yeah, I wasn't sure when Bret Hart was actually going to show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So the, the thing is, like, so after the match is over, there really isn't a blow off, uh, because, um. Kurt obviously has a a rematch clause. Kind of like when Cena and Rock faced each other. When when Rock dropped the titles to Cena. Yeah. Rock never came back to... Like, Rock still has a title match. He still has a title match in there in the he back does. pocket, baby. I've been, think, I've been thinking about this since those matches at WrestleMania. It was like, Rock's got a title match. A rematch waiting. With whoever the fuck he feels like he wants to be. Is there an expiration date on those? I don't think there is. That's, that's playing the long game there. Yeah. He so, can come back and use that against Roman. Right. Exactly. So no one knows when Kurt's going to return. There's a rematch waiting to happen. When? But only the Conqueror knows. Oh, shit. So, um, but yeah, I wanted to I wanted to have, you know, maybe the two greatest in-ring performers work yeah work a promotion together and that's uh that's that man i that, listen the, the conquering kurt angle that basically read as a love letter to kurt angle it did <laughs> and that's all right hey a kurt angle it's weird for somebody who is as good at wrestling as he is as good as good as a personality as he is as a legitimate tough guy badass and athlete as he is he's oftentimes not on the mount rushmore and he should be definitely on it because 
there's no one that I know of in wrestling who took to it so quickly and became such a star in such a short amount yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and put on clinics, amazing matches <coughs> within the first year of his of his main roster career. Yeah, that, but between his his in ring acumen, his technical ability, and his like physical ability, like his success is a true testament to his skill. Well, and not only that, but um, I think part of the reason Jones, and I don't know if anybody ever really admit this, but maybe it's because of how he came about doing it. You know, it's a lot more common now that you see certain athletes, professional wrestlers, Olympic wrestlers, getting signed to a contract because, you know, they they obviously have the physical abilities to do it. Um, But I think maybe it's because of what you said is why he's not on the Mount Rushmore. Because it was so natural to him and he didn't pay his dues. You know, he didn't necessarily... I mean, he really did. But he didn't go through, you know, Ohio Valley before. He didn't go through NXT before. You know, he wasn't <clears throat> he wasn't anybody's creation necessarily because he's always been him. I mean, Kurt Angle's gimmick for the most of his career has just been I'm Kurt fucking Angle. Um, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. I'm an Olympic champion, and I'm better than you. Right. Um, but um, maybe it was because it was so natural to him. Because okay, so now you take all those elements of a of a performer and ring ability. Um, you know, the ability to tell a good story in the match, having good ring IQ and everything. And then the motherfucker can just talk. Yeah, he's entertaining. And you throw ridiculous gimmicks at him. The whole milk thing, you know, and everything. He, he can be just as funny and, and kind of scary violent. Exactly. Um, and it was so natural for him. I think that's part of the reason maybe why people don't put him up there on the Mount Rushmore. And that's kind of the whole thing about this, this, this angle for him that I had is that he knows that of all the people I've mentioned, with maybe the exception of Shawn Michaels, he is better than every single one of them in the ring. Just, and maybe Ric Flair. Um, he's just, he knows he's better. And the only way he's going to prove it to all of us is by proving it to himself. <laughs> by beating and that everybody. is just by beating everybody. <clears throat> so, and the idea of, because, you know, you had mentioned with, uh, Jeff, you had mentioned with your Sting and Undertaker match, right? Um, I think it'd be cool as fuck that Undertaker would occasionally show up on WCW. Um, you know, one of the things with the with the Monday Night Wars and everything that's going on is that obviously it was very compartmentalized. Yeah. And you weren't going to have an invasion angle. You weren't going to have... It's like Marvel versus DC. You know, occasionally every once in a while they'll they'll get together and do like a special book where, you know, Batman and Iron Man are, in, are on page together, right? You just didn't have... really. You really don't have that in wrestling. And I just think if you had a a quote unquote bragging rights pay per view, where you had people from WCW and WWE, you know, when they're on the same footing, like actually wrestling each other, you split that fucking you you split that pay per view gate down the middle, and you just watch the money come in because every wrestling fan in the world would watch that. Yeah, yeah, I'd be Agreed. down with that. Yeah, and uh, people, you know, fans who watch one prom- promotion over the other might be turned on to the other yeah i mean that's a smart business play yeah wrestling fans we are oftentimes very uh very tribalistic in how we approach yeah things unfortunately um <clears throat> now the uh, actual storyline was great i really i really anything that involves current angles always money because he's just good at what he does and of course any bread us it's the best part about your storyline is it was so little, Bret Hart. It didn't even need to be much. <laughs> no, he it just comes really in and say, he just angle. comes in and saves the day. But yeah. what I the only thing I would have changed 
uh, I thought for sure you were going to do this when you said, you know, Bret Hart. I thought for sure, and you didn't, which is cool. But what I would have done was, you know, same Kurt Angle. Uh, I would even, I would even hazard and say like actual, full on TNA Kurt Angle. And ninety seven Bret Hart, Hart Foundation Bret Hart, anti American Bret Hart. That motherfucker. When Bret was cutting good promos, yeah, by that when point. he was bitter, <laughs> dude. That heel Bret Hart just brutalizing and chasing Angle around the world with the Hart Foundation and in his back with Angle by himself, who's the conqueror. But what's the conqueror against? The best there is, was, never will be. I will excellently execute you. You think you can touch me with your ankle lock? I will sharpshoot you into nothingness. I will beat you to within an inch of your life. You know, like, that Bret Hart, the violent figure four around the ring post Bret Hart, who will not let go until you pass out from the pain Bret Hart, that's the guy I want to see fight Kurt Angle. Now, the Bret Hart you chose is a fine Bret Hart. There's no such thing as a bad Bret Hart. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. Isn't it? It was weird as I said. Everything you said was wrong. Except it wasn't. <laughs> but I, I was just like, uh, man, that I, I want, because Kurt could talk so well, I want somebody to match that. <clears throat> and Brett ain't a great talker anyhow, uh, and especially in 92. <laughs> he was very not good. Yeah, I, th- I think I think my, my idea was that I, I obviously wanted Brett to be the face in this. So yes, um, you know, yeah, it kind of made sense hero. in that case. He's the hero. Um, my As you mentioned about the Hart Foundation and everything and the anti-American... What I almost went with, um, with my second pick before I did Reigns versus um, Rock, was Edge versus Jericho versus Hart, the greatest Canadian wrestler ever. And they would only choose to wrestle each other in Canada. That'd be because they because they'd all shun the United States because <laughs> be Canada's better. So, kind so of they'd thing. wrestle like six times a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah. So um, you know, I. Um, I, I think that might be for me the dream match that we'll never get. Oh man, we're not I'm, getting that. Well, I yeah. know. <laughs> we're not getting that. But, uh, but to see those to see those two in the ring together would have been an absolute fucking. It would have been yeah. a fucking yeah, joy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, that was great. Would, would you, anything you'd have changed, Jeff? No, I I would have, like Jones, I would have chose a different era, Bret Hart, just to, you know, obviously the with your storyline, he comes in as the hero, uh, with Angle being the ultimate conqueror heel. Uh, I think which is a great right. angle, no pun intended. Hey. Um, but I mean, the payoff is is great. The the build up, you know, you went into a lot of detail about running through the promotions. I dig that. Uh, and I mean, that tells a big story in and of itself. Just the visual of fucking Angle with his gold medal. And all the belts and the money in the bank briefcase. Like, yeah. It's been ridiculous. Like. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I forgot one thing. Whatever is pertinent to the feud. When Brett does ultimately win. Uh... <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Wait, did they try to view his dad? I got lightheaded from that. WWE again tries to interview members of his family, <laughs> only to inexcusably cut them off before they can really say anything to the camera. Uh, that's, oh my god! That's I still laugh about that to myself sometimes. I do too. I was just like, "Oh shit!" Um, well, well played, Mac. Yeah, great, great choice. Uh, so I guess 
So here's my money here. Uh, I don't, you know, five years ago, I would not have chosen this. But here we are. Um, to me, this is the most money dream match I could come up with in the amount of time that we were given out of all the ideas I had. Now, okay. again, I'm get, I'm shooting this to you guys as if I'm trying to sell You're pitching you on it. it. Yeah. yeah. And the audience, you motherfuckers, you. All three, uh, all, th- all yeah. three of you that are still listening. There's at least them. four of them at this point, right? Um, call, call up a friend. Get the number up to six, everybody. <laughs> um, so, how can I... So I'm not... The year is 1996. Okay. It's a very different wrestling landscape. It's pre-attitude era. Oh, we are we are not even dipping our toes yeah. really in attitude yet. Yeah. We're still in the, the age of occupational gimmicks. You know, garbage men and dentists and such. Um, it's true. Duke the Dumpster Jersey <laughs> was a fucking thing. <laughs> accountants. The goon. Accountants. <laughs> Fuck. What were they thinking? That was beyond me. Uh, so... 1996, Shawn Michaels has just gone 60 fucking minutes, achieved the boyhood dream, and beat Bret Hart in the Iron Man match. So we're talking 1996 Shawn Michaels. We're talking the leader of the clique. We're talking white meat baby face, rock and roll express level of of baby face sympathy that we're going to get. Bret's out the door. We don't know where he's gone or when he's coming back. Is he going to go to WCW? No one knows right now, but he's gone. It's Sean's show now. And the next night on Raw, the day after WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels shows up to a thunderous, you know, applause from the audience, a monstrous pop by the click. Everybody's excited for Shawn Michaels to do this one thing. As HBK makes his victory promo, he's interrupted by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Brain was just on WCW TV two weeks ago. But this is the era we're pushing into the Monday Night Wars. Things are changing, folks. Bobby the Brain Heenan talks about how before he went down south, HBK was someone he admired. (laughs) He was uh, cocky. He was ego-driven. He was self-centered. His tactics were a thing of beauty. Because we're talking 1993 Bobby Heenan Shawn Michaels was a very different villain back then. Carrying on his mirrors, in love with himself. This is not the same Shawn Michaels exactly. And on top of everything else, Bobby says that he really appreciated and admired his in-ring ability. One of the greats, one of the best to ever do it. But then he talks about since he's been gone, that things have changed. The WWF has changed. But more specifically... Shawn Michaels has changed. We're talking Bobby the... I want to... The context... Bobby hasn't managed anybody in 1996 for years. So this is a return to form for Bobby Heenan. This is a big deal for him to be doing this on TV. And he talks about how all now Shawn Michaels cares about are the, these ham and eggers, these humanoids out there, these nine-to-fivers, these, these schlups, the clique. What does that even mean? You know, full-on Bobby Heenan zone, man. He's feeling himself right now. I could see that in, it's my, fucking, in my head. That's yeah. right. I could see him saying it in my head. Yes, exactly. So he's standing up at the top of the little the, the raw sign, because not even a ramp yet. It's just a raw sign. Sean's in the ring, and he's dumbfounded looking at all, all this happening. 
And he felt that Sean was better than this. That he always knew he was better than this. Heenan says that he knew when, when he came back home to the came back home to the WWF, there was only one thing he wanted to do, one specific thing he needed to accomplish that he never was able to do before. And that was to manage somebody with the big gold. He never did it. He tried and he tried and he tried, but whether it was Hogan, whether it was Warrior, whether it was Savage, he could never get it done. The Heenan family never got the gold the way they wanted. They got close. Andre technically held it, but it wasn't real. And he, he, he proceeds to say that he's in, he's in the WWE for this one reason. And HBK says, well, while although he's flattered, he's already got a manager in the form of his mentor, Jose Lothario, who's by his side. Brain says, oh, I, I, I'm sorry there, Mr. Michaels. You, uh, you must have misunderstood me. I already have the newest member of the Heenan family. Now, you may have beaten the best there is, the best there was, or whatever they, whatever he says, but pal, you never faced anyone like this. And out comes... Yeah, cut that off before we get sued. Yeah, I had to do that. <clears throat> and out comes 2022 Brock fucking oh, Lesnar. Oh, shit. Cowboy Brock Lesnar. We're talking bearded, experienced, weathered, and thoroughly pissed off Brock Lesnar. And whatever that ponytail figure is. Whatever the hell he's got going on back there, no one's going to call him out. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. You're not going to say anything to him. Talk about a man. <laughs> Talk about a man who literally can do whatever he wants. That guy, we've had more conversations about the questionable shit that man does with himself. <laughs> than like any other wrestler in the world and nobody will ever say a thing to him so you know brock maybe you should uh not have a gigantic sword tattooed on the middle of your chest with finger holes i ain't saying shit to him no one's going to so i'm not going to say it now because he might be outside i want to put this in perspective for everybody but specifically you gentlemen here this is 1996 there is no one is ready for brock lesnar a lot has to change yeah, in wrestling. he's on a whole other level. Right? So we're talking 96. This dude is feared. He is not. He's not pretty. He doesn't talk. He doesn't have catchphrases. He doesn't have a, a job gimmick. He is a fucking animal. He's a beast. The beast incarnate. And Bobby Heenan is his mouthpiece. Oh, shit. Right? So they start walking to the ring. HBK does not waste any time. And goes straight throwing wild haymakers at, at, at Lesnar. He already knows what's up. He ain't stupid. He's been around. Lesnar, who staggers a little bit. Michaels goes for the flying forearm. Lesnar catches him. Does the triple uh, uh, gut buster. Fall away slam. Throws HBK out of the ring. Goes out of the ring. Picks him, throws him back in the ring. Gives him an F5. It leaves him triumphant. HBK is laid out. Now this is how the... Now this is... That's the catalyst. Brock Lesnar's the catalyst. Bobby Heenan's the catalyst. The match is going to take place at SummerSlam 1996. It's a basic one-on-one -on -one matchup. And this is how the feud's going to follow up. The following week, Lesnar comes back out with Brain. Brain said that he searched far and wide for a specimen like Brock Lesnar, that he's stronger, faster, more talented than Shawn Michaels ever could be, and that they're challenging for the WWF title at SummerSlam. HBK comes out and says that while he was surprised to see him, 
and that he is sore from the beating he received, HBK backs down from nobody. Challenge accepted, right? So now, HBK, he's, he's ready, he's primed, and he says he's going to send that big corn-fed ass packing back to wherever he came from, courtesy of Sweet Chin Music and The Click. Uh, In other words, I accept. HBK runs to the ring and attacks Brock Lesnar, begins to get the upper hand with a flurry of punches and drop kicks, and goes for a Sweet Chin Music. Brock Lesnar bails with brain screaming, not today. During HBK's match later on that night, Brock Lesnar shows up and brutalizes HBK again, sitting on top of him, gorilla beating him in the face, because that's what he would do. <laughs> just boom, boom, just pound it on his face. Gorilla beating him in the face. <laughs> How's that for a visual? What a, what a visual. But here's the deal. HBK has a concussion from this beatdown, which is a, it's, it's a no-go. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's a work. But he has a, is a concussion, which means he's forced to take three weeks off bed rest, which is enforced by our commissioner, Gorilla Monsoon. We're going back, baby. We're going all the way back. Uh, because of old allegiances and, and old friendships, Diesel vows to knock Brock Lesnar. Diesel's still around in 1996. He vows to knock Brock Lesnar on his ass for what he did to his old buddy Shawn Michaels, who, well, although they may not be best friends anymore, that's still his friend. <clears throat> At the following In Your House pay-per-view, which who knows what it was called, <laughs> Brock Lesnar beats Diesel in a hard-fought, heavy-hitting match. Kevin Nash's last match in the WWF before going to WCW. Right? He went out, did the honors on his way out. So, Heenan, the next night on Raw, is like, you know, beside himself with excitement. He's basically saying, listen, man, Brock Lesnar... Now, mind you, he's by himself. He's like, Brock Lesnar beat the guy you couldn't beat the year before at WrestleMania, was it, little 11, for the heavyweight title. What does that mean what Lesnar's going to do to you? He was playing with you. He was toying with you. And he's as good as it is. He's as good as they come. And they're going to give you a new meaning to the word heartbreak kid. I'm just letting you know, Sean. Your time is limited. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins like that other guy says down south. But at the end of the day, the title is coming home to the Heenan family. Jose Lothario comes out. Now, mind you, Heenan's by himself in the ring. Lesnar's taking the night off. Jose comes out, calls Brock Lesnar, Bob Heenan, cowards for attacking the world champ the way they have. The two start kind of going back and forth, and it gets heated. Bob Heenan invites Jose to come to the ring. Say it to his face. Bobby, don't fuck around. He's from Chicago. He'll beat your ass, too. But as Jose says, all right, I'll come down, he starts walking down. He senses something. Lesnar's behind him and starts bullying him down the ramp into the ring where they start beating him up. Not too badly because he's an old man. You know, he's getting some pot shots. Heenan's getting some pot shots on Jose. Lesnar picks him up with a big bear hug and makes him pass out. It's a serious scene. Jose's taken out on a stretcher with oxygen the announcers are selling the whole thing is legit serious. Like, it's 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 a shoot. It's, it's really happening. The crowd, there's kids in the ring. They're crying. Everybody's upset. The whole nine yards. So, uh, da, 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 da. I'm like, I've, I wrote so much for this. Okay, so that following week, Gorilla Monsoon calls out Bobby Heenan and Brock Lesnar to talk about what happened the week before. They come out. Brock Lesnar looks more pissed than normal. Bobby Heenan tries to weasel his way out of the issue. 
but Gorilla Monsoon is having none of it. He finds Brock Lesnar and Bobby Heenan $100,000 each. Heenan is jacked, but Brock Lesnar is incensed and begins to rough up Gorilla Monsoon. Bobby Heenan tries to stop him, because deep down, they are friends, does love Gorilla Monsoon, they're boys, and doesn't want him to get hurt, but Lesnar grips Heenan up and like starts yelling at him off mic. Heenan backs off and lets Brock Lesnar do his thing. At, at, as that, at that same time, HBK comes running down to an awesome pop steel chair in hand and clocks Brock Lesnar a couple of times in the head and goes for sweet chin music, but misses. He goes against the ropes, clotheslines him over the ropes, skins the cat back in, poses, the crowd's fired up. End show. The next week, Gorilla Monsoon puts Brock Lesnar in a three-on-one handicap match against Bob Holly, one two, three kid and Savio Vega because they got to get worked. <laughs> oh, they're going to get worked. <laughs> and Lesnar handily beats and brutalizes each man and wins. Later that night, during yet another HBK match, Brock Lesnar walks down to ringside. HBK meets him and jumps over the top rope for an aerial attack in which catches Brock Lesnar off guard. Lesnar eventually gets the upper hand and once again brutalizes HBK yet again, leaving him laying. Is there anything Shawn Michaels can do to beat this guy? I don't know. I don't know. The next week, Brock Lesnar or Bro Bobby Heenan says that they've been toying with HBK for months, getting into his head. You see, what Brock Lesnar has to has done to you has been nothing short of a little cat playing with a toy. But when he's ready, you'll know it. We don't have to do anything to you anymore. SummerSlam's only a few weeks away, so watch your back, heartbreak. Watch your back. And for the next couple of weeks, Shawn Michaels shows up on TV. He's having matches. He's looking behind his back. He's looking behind his shoulder. He's shaking a little bit. He's a little nervous. Lesnar is in his head, full on in his head. So now we get to the go-home show, the last show before SummerSlam. At the top of the show, a video package plays showcasing HBK has been working on packing on extra muscle, strength training, and how he's gone to Calgary to the dungeon to train with Stu Hart to work on his grappling and his, and his general endurance, which is a big deal considering the feud he just came off of at WrestleMania. Uh, at the end of the, that show, HBK and Lesnar have a face-to-face. -face. Eventually, there's a scuffle and a pull-apart, but neither man getting the full upper hand. Both HBK and Lesnar look great, and at the show itself, HBK, Lesnar, HBK wins after four sweet chin musics, with the fourth one being with a chair to the face to put Lesnar down. One, two, three. Shawn Michaels solidifies himself as the world's heavyweight champion, beating somebody who effectively is an act of fucking God in Brock Lesnar. So, that's my money. <laughs> Dave's taking all the credit cards out. <laughs> Not sure Take where... Take them all, sir. <laughs> where he's going to swipe them, but they're out. Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> I, I wrote a couple, like, like, promos, but it was just a lot of stuff. Me just making... Putting Lesnar over being, like, literal force of nature but yeah well, i mean I, if you look at that that point in time there was nobody like nobody brock lesnar yep and comparatively wrestling was fairly soft compared to what it is he today in terms of heel. the brutality of it he would have been such no one would have known what to do with any of them. no because he's basically this unstoppable force uh just between his size and his technical ability, and just his rage. Yeah. Can you imagine? Because that guy existing in 96 against a much healthier, younger 
Shawn Michaels, who's about as babyface as it gets at that point, and him just getting beaten down by this huge human being who doesn't smile, doesn't slap hands, yeah. doesn't sign autographs. He is the epitome of a full-on heel who says nothing. And the whole, the whole, this whole thing, he never says a word. Never once. Doesn't he, talk. He has a tattoo of a creature on his back that doesn't exist anywhere. Yo, people didn't have tattoos like that in 96. No. People would not... I'm, mm-hmm. I'm telling people, kids would have been scared of this dude. I'm scared of him. <laughs> what if his tattoo was the cobra knife instead of the oh, knife? Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh. So what would you what do you guys think? What would you change? Mac thoughts. Um, I I one of the things I have against the current iteration of Brock Lesnar is that I feel he has gotten away a little bit from his ability as a wrestler, and um been more of a, a bruiser, more of a... Bless you. Thank you. That he's more of a bruiser. He's more of a brawler. He's more of a... Because it's, it's kind of hard to say that Brock Lesnar is a gimmick onto himself, but he kind of is. Just because of how he has, he's, he has been built into being this um, unstoppable force. Because as you're talking about that time frame, it's like, yeah, there's nobody like him. But you've got guys in that time like Vader. I could, I would see Vince being like, you know what? I think we're going to go ahead and have you go against Big Daddy V. Because it's another big guy. Yeah. And then Lesnar is going to try to do something and he'll like bounce off Big Daddy V. Like, oh my god, he just, the Beast Incarnate bounced off of him like he was a tennis ball. You know? So, fun fact. Well, not fact. But the, my, basically, the reason I, I chose that time period and that pay-per-view... <laughs> Is because it was Vader and Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam '96. Yeah. So I just took one monster out, yeah. <laughs> put the other monster in, would have gone way better. Yeah. Uh, and I would also have a tie-in with uh, if if this is you know have Brock Lesnar be um, Shawn's father on Boy Meets World instead of Vader. That'd have been a, uh, a thing. <laughs> no, but I I think I maybe go with a, just a little bit of an earlier Brock Lesnar just because of the you know the more the the, the more wrestling versus. Versus just the machine kind of a thing. But, I mean, otherwise, I, I think it's completely solid. Uh, you're right. I mean, there's... No wrestling promotion would have been able to um, compare to that. You know, wrestling, more than anything, as we've seen through the history of it, is about spectacle. And, you know, you're talking about a Andre the Giant level impact yeah. that Brock Lesnar has at that point in time. And, you know... Jones, the entire attitude era may never happen. Because, I mean, how do you have guys like The Rock and Triple H and Austin and everybody go up against that? You you don't. With a fucking axe. <clears throat> well, and for in and, and Austin's case, you absolutely don't. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there, there was certain points in, you know, the history of wrestling where managers played a bigger role and then, you know, they're in the spotlight and then they're not. And there's, you know, certain guys that have sort of gone through those iterations. Paul Heyman's one. Yeah. Obviously, Bobby Brain Heenan is one. I don't think there's any better heel manager than those two guys no. in particular. Uh, and they're they're fairly interchangeable. I mean, when it comes to Brock Lesnar, right? Right. Um, 
that version of Bobby the Brain Heenan is so fun to watch uh, because he's such a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also like, you're like, yeah, I can relate with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. for some reason, you're like, you lean into that. Uh, I don't think anybody on that roster in that period of time could compete with Brock Lesnar. No one would have survived. Yeah. Which well, is why Michael's beating him would have been such a that's, big deal. Yeah, that that cements your place and your it starts building you already have the legacy starting to build by beating Bret Hart and then you beat the Beast Incarnate like Yeah. What more do you need to do? Like you're you retire like, yeah, at that point. Yeah, you're unstoppable at that point. Uh I I don't think there's anything that I would change in particular. Well, I mean, I, I love that. It. I was I was super excited when it clicked. I went, I know what I want to do. This will be amazing, and I could see it all happening, and like pain and standing there, and then just this this huge creature just steps out, and is like towering over him, and Sean's just looking at this dude like, what the? Fuck You're is literally that? describing Return of the Jedi when Luke is in. The Rancor Pit. <laughs> yes. That's basically, which is essentially the tattoo that Brock Lesnar has on his back. Yeah. So It's not a Rancor because of copyright infringement probably, but it basically so is. So we're still building this amazing pay-per-view with some serious matches here. We got some, <laughs> some serious, serious build-ups. build-ups. So I don't much, know what the main event is so at this point. So much build-up. Nobody knows. Well, Jeff, you got to take a us lot home. There's a lot yes. of options. What you got, Mr. All right. My uh, money match here. So let's take you back to the Attitude Era. We'll say peak 1999, Monday Night Raw. There's a Divas Bikini competition. Okay. Why? Who knows? But there is, because it's the Attitude Era, and Jerry the King Lawler has to talk about puppies for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So the Divas are doing their thing. They cut backstage to do an interview with some backstage talent in walks 1997 nation of domination heel Dwayne the rock johnson okay okay I'm, I'm down with this rock what do you think about the divas let me tell you what the rock thinks about the divas these divas are good for three things cooking cleaning and taking care of the rock if you know what i mean oh i know what you mean I know what you mean, Rock. The interviewer doesn't really know how to respond to that. <laughs> so the Rock gives him a look. The Rock starts walking. The camera pans, and as the Rock is walking, he bumps into a late 80s Miss Elizabeth. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Jones, Jones just <laughs> took off his glasses, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. Are you really going to So do the Rock bumps into her, and he looks her dead in the eye. Miss Elizabeth, if you're not busy tonight, why don't you stop by the Rock's locker room and snap into the people's Slim Jim, if you know what I mean. Oh, oh, no. And he just keeps going to his locker room. The people's Slim Jim? (laughs) The people's Slim Jim. Dig it. So Miss Elizabeth is beside herself. So who does she go talk to? Then a late 80s cocaine raged. Oh. Macho Man Randy Savage. My dream match would be The Rock versus Savage. 
listen. At SummerSlam. I'm just signing you. And the, we'll, we'll, get, just, we'll get to how we get there I'm just signing shortly. You, I'm just signing you the deed to my house. <laughs> Take all of it, sir. So, I don't know if you guys know this, but in the late 80s, uh, Macho Man only cared about three things. Championship belts, Miss Elizabeth, and cocaine. I've been told. Is it in that order? On this per- in no particular order. <laughs> this particular night, he doesn't have a belt, but he's got cocaine and Miss Elizabeth, who is very upset about the exchange that she just had with The Rock. And Savage goes off. Later that night, the nation could be Farouk, could be any number of them. They're in a match. Savage comes running down and just takes out the nation. Over the next few weeks, he starts cutting promos about The Rock and how The Rock disrespected Miss Elizabeth and what that means to Savage. Because if you disrespect Miss Elizabeth, you disrespect Savage because that is his life, that is his woman, and you do not get in between that. Uh, so The Rock starts cutting his own heel promos about Savage, about he can't compete with The Rock. The people don't give a shit about Savage. The people care about the people's champ. All of this goes on for a few weeks. Imagine the fucking promos that these two, in those two points in time, would be cutting on each other. Uh, is me and Gene holding the mic when this is going oh, on? Man, I, uh, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I didn't put a particular player into that role, but for my money, he would be. Oh, man. So the match is set. It's not a title match. It's just The Rock versus Savage. SummerSlam. The crowd is behind Savage. And The Rock is just shitting on the crowd. And they're just feeding into it. This frenzy. The Rock sort of stalking Savage in the ring. Savage is quick and nimble. He's far more technical than The Rock. He's getting his shots in, but The Rock starts to get the upper hand. The Rock gives him a rock bottom. The Rock gives him the people's elbow, and he sees Miss Elizabeth. So he go. He gets outside of the ring, and gets in her face, and she slaps him with all of her might. <clears throat> While she does that, Savage is back on his feet. Savage gets out, he hits the rock from behind, gets the rock back in the ring, rolls him in, climbs up, flying elbow drop. One, two, three. Savage with the win, Miss Elizabeth with the retribution, and all is vindicated because the rock, the people's champ, done fucked with the wrong guy by getting involved with Miss Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a dream match there. Oof. Um, you know, we're talking, you said, what, is it 97, 98 Rock? Yep. Nation of Domination Rock. <sighs> like, look, Fanny was, pack for no reason. There was this period, man. Heel when, Rock. When The Rock became The Rock, and he was like, he was just some other type of beat, like, character. Like, as he progressed into, like, Heel 98, 99, like corporate rock he was shifting more into more of a comedic yeah. rock. yeah but like 
that initial rock he was just a, a dickhead yeah yeah like full-on yeah and that's why i picked that year in particular arrogant chauvinistic every everything you could think of that's a negative connotation <laughs> he kind of was that guy so i can t- he he'd like have sunglasses on to like look at elizabeth like oh, you know like that whole really uncomfortable yeah he's looking at her and dressing her with his eyes well that's enough for savage to go off the rails anyhow uh but yeah man like savage would they would they would eat that up you know yeah this will be the battle of the elbows it was. <laughs> that's what i was thinking about when you were saying that so many elbows man i was like oh my god there's a lot of elbows in this match <laughs> you think you're gonna hit me with that what do you call the people's elbow jeans is that what he calls it oh, I know. ain't gonna happen to me man i'm gonna climb the top rope I'm gonna come flying off bam with the flying elbow smash one two three that's what it's gonna be oh yeah that's what it's gonna be. Could you imagine that's if, what it is? Could you imagine if wrestlers like if the pin was to four? I don't even know what would happen. I don't think they would. Would they ever get to four? I don't even know if they ever have. Because <laughs> you just hear so many times, yeah, about about getting up to the top rope and getting that elbow down, and then you know t- talking the one, two, three, four, four. You can't have that. I swear there was somebody who had a gimmick where it was like a ten count or or something. I don't remember who it was, but it's in my head somewhere. My, one of my favorite things to do watching wrestling today um, is when... Because I, I noticed this a couple times in WrestleMania where there are some long three counts, man. And I'm not even saying long. I'm pretty sure I'm like four or five counts. And, <laughs> and you know, the guys on the kid like, guys doing, gonna the, hit that doing last the thing number? by play are just like, ah, you know, one, two. Oh, he kicked out! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, I don't know if I would change anything necessarily because it's a really good combination of personalities. Yeah. You know, like, because The Rock can talk all his trash but still have the nation to kind of back him up. And Savage is a lone wolf anyhow. So he's always at a numbers disadvantage no matter what. But he's crazy, so it doesn't even really matter. Uh, But I feel like uh, there'd be a lot of fun him just being so offended and rightfully. Because you know what you could do? Savage could be a a heel and this could turn him babyface. This could be his big baby face turn. Yeah, his interactions with The Rock—they've never really interacted before until The Rock. Maybe shouldn't have said what he said, and that everybody can uh, empathize and associate themselves with protecting their partner. Yeah, even if you know Savage at the time was very sovinistic in that period, but still he looked at Elizabeth's property. But that's a whole other thing. And Slim Jim gets some product placement in this whole thing, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You gotta have a sponsor, you right? You gotta have a sponsor for this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We're not talking monster trucks. We're just talking... You know, it's, I, it's, it's, it's amazing because, like, I was... Again, going through this, I, I, I love Macho so much. And I was having difficulty trying to find a place for him. Trying to find somebody that he could work with that I would really, really want to go ahead and see. That's fucking money, dude. Like, I, I love that match. Again... Take it all, sir. <laughs> Take this. Well, I think um, this has been a good time, man. I, I like. I'm kind of. I'm gonna like leave this this recording session today, um, feeling very depressed because I can't go home and turn on <laughs> the network and just watch this happen. You know. Um, yeah, you're gonna turn on Monday Night Raw on Monday and be like, oh, I wish there was just one fraction of what we talked about yeah going on in current creative on yeah. wwe man so you know dear dear sweet listeners out there why don't you go ahead and hit up the socials and why don't you go ahead and toss us a few ideas about what some of your dream matches would be 
and uh, and pitch that to us. Um, I I believed as going through this that this was going to be you know Dream Feuds Part One. Um, I definitely feel like this is something that we would come back and do again uh, at another time here. Uh, obviously, too, when getting the great Mister Brown back uh, to uh, hear the interlude of the Minotaur uh, in person. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, go ahead and hit up the socials and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, dear sweet listeners and uh, you know who knows maybe we might take one of your ideas and and pitch that uh, in a future episode yeah uh thank you guys uh, both of you guys for really indulging me with this idea yeah no it, it's been fun and you know it was quite the process mm-hmm. a getting into the mental space to do it but then like sort of letting the creative juices flow if you will and i mean if you look at the seven matches that we talked about i mean these are like pillars of wrestling yeah. in terms of the guys that we're talking about. Um, but there's, there's so much potential and, and what could be, uh, and it, it's fun to do these sort of creative scenarios and come up with these, you know, we before we recorded, we thought, Hey, you know, it's a wrestling episode, but it's not about a specific show. It'll probably be like a short wrestling episode. And here we are two and a half hours Jesus. later uh, <laughs> and we're still talking about it so uh sorry not sorry yeah. about that um but this has been super fun and we appreciate you guys taking the journey with us yeah it's always appreciated uh I, we're looking forward to you guys taking us joining us on another journey to a far away land oh my god um where we, there is no land oh that's true <sighs> far away water Yes, because, a water world, if you will. Yeah, next week, a world full of water. You say? Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna deep dive into the world of water world. I see what you did uh, there. I try. That was on the, off the cuff, by the way. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, puns. Yeah, oh um, puns. But yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an experience. So I'm gonna sit down and watch that and start taking my notes on it and wet we'll, your whistle, if you will. Oh. Yeah, wet my whistle. Preferably not with like pee that went through a filtration that's, system that's which a- i have 20 minutes to just bitch about that i'm sure you will <laughs> uh well folks uh join us next time uh when we talk about the wonderfully shitty movie called water world but until then stay safe enjoy yourselves out there in this lovely weather we have in whatever this is out there uh but um yeah thanks for joining us we'll see you all next week Hey there, Rock. I just want you to know that when I get you down in that ring, one, two, three, you're going to look back and just think that was nothing good. Oh, yeah.